But I was like, I'll do it beforehand, you know. <laughs> you, so you can do it in the morning and like still get through the day just yes. fine? I can't. I, I can when I have nothing to do. Yeah. Is today kind of like a more like an off day for you? It is, but like I have got work to do. And even on like a work day, like before work. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Some but I'm super like particular that. about like the type of weed that I buy too. Like, I only buy sativas and hybrids. Like, I don't want to go to bed. Like, you know, I'm looking in the, like, I'm doing the research. <laughs> I'm, like, reading, like, what are the effects here? I'm looking for uplifted, creative, like, those types of things. If it mm. says that, I'm in. There's, it'll literally say on there, like, creative? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. If you buy it at a store. Yeah. I don't buy it at stores. Well, <laughs> even if I'm, like, not buying it at a store, if I'm supporting my uh, local weed man, uh, <laughs> I even still, like, whatever strains he tells me he's got, like, I look those up, too. Because, you know, like, Leafly exists, like, where you can, like, search up any strain and, like, mm. see what people are saying about it. That's the, the, the good thing about it being legalized. Yeah. And, well, it's first of all, it's safe. You know what you're, you're getting. But also, like, what you just said, all those different things you can look up what it might do where it's from what others say about it yeah it's nice it it is kind of funny having it legalized and you could buy it at a store and you can also still buy it from your friend and also you know someone who grows it who gives it to you for free like it's all over the place it's cool it's kind of funny and goofy you're like what are we doing here (laughs) it's a weird game the taxes are too high though taxes are bad yeah it's hard to justify buying at a store unless you come from a place where you have the means and you're like, I want the legit stuff. But when you're in a place where you're just trying, like getting by in life, you're like, why would I go to the store when so-and-so has it? Yeah. But then it's like what you were just saying. It's like I can just look on the website. That's, that's <laughs> pretty like cool. It's like right there. Like before I even hit order, I know what I'm getting before I get it. That's cool. Now is it anecdotal stuff from different people who just submit to it, like a blog or is it – um, so it's like, you know, them? they do testing at the different like grow facilities. So like they test it with their workers a lot <laughs> <laughs> and their workers are happy to test it. I'm like, sure. I've got a couple of friends who like work for like big dispensaries. Um, one of my friends works in a grow house and he's like, yeah, he's like, here's all these things I've got to test. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's really cool. <laughs> wow. It's kind of like a. People who work at bars or breweries or coffee shops. They're, yeah. Everyone I know at a coffee shop, they're like, hey, I have like five to ten cups a day. I taste everything. And <laughs> people who work at breweries, like, I'm always drunk. I'm like, ah. Yeah. I don't know if that's a good I thing. mean, well, you know, I, I've i bartended a lot, you know, throughout the years just doing like creative stuff. Like bartending and serving's always been like a good side option for most artist type people because it's flexible. Um, so yeah, I definitely know my way around a bar. <laughs> are you from Chicago? Yeah. We even spoke about who you are in your name. Want to tell <laughs> the listeners and viewers, uh, who you are and maybe what you do? Yeah. Um, I'm Chloe Chanel. That's the, that's my first and middle name. A lot of people ask that, like, is that really your name? I'm like, yeah, that's really my name. My mom named me Chloe Chanel. <laughs> that's a great name. Thank you. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I guess I'm an artist of sorts. Um, that's Typical a- artist to not be able to say that they're an artist. I'm right there with you. It's hard to claim because I'm like, am It's like I? almost embarrassing, but that's not our fault. We've been, we've been taught that by society. If you're in any other field, you're happy to claim what it is. If yeah. you're an engineer or in STEM or medical or... Uh, 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 an educator, you're you're fine with saying it, but the second you're an artist, you're like uh, I'm I, kind of. I like, guess I make I do stuff. stuff. <laughs> People pay me to do stuff. I have I make a living, and it's like for some reason it's looked down upon. Yeah, it's hard to say. It's like I have this tagline. I just say I just be doing shit and calling it art. <laughs> <laughs> well, what what kind of doing shit slash art? Do you do? Um, so I do a lot of photography. I'm super into like creating visuals. Um, so photography, videography, and like making like really cool visual projects from those like things that I shoot. And then I also make music. Uh, I produce and I write. Um, you play instruments, or you just do more production? I do more production. I. <laughs> It's crazy because I did start off playing instruments as a kid. Like, I played instruments all through elementary and high school. And then I was a rebel when I got to college. And I was like, I'm quitting the band. (laughs) 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 I don't want to be in the band anymore. Is this in Chicago? Yeah, yeah. So I grew uh, up doing marching band. Um, Well, I went to University of Illinois first. But I ended up graduating from University of Wisconsin. But I was supposed to join the band mm-hmm. at University of Illinois, and I just skipped my audition and said, <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. But um, I grew up playing clarinet, like, all through high school, all through elementary. I played in a marching band. Um, I played the mellophone for a while. If anybody doesn't know what That's that is. That's a deep is. cut. That's a deep cut. The mellophone, for those who don't know. Can you describe the mellophone? It's a big-ass horn. <laughs> I think it's probably why I was like, fuck this, I'm not doing marching band anymore. I came, like, to band camp one summer in high school, and the director, like, walks right up to me, and he goes, I'm switching you to the mellophone. Mind you guys, I've been playing woodwind since I was, like, (laughs) 10 years old. And you're like, what's a mellophone? I'm like, what the fuck is that? (laughs) And I was like, oh, I'm going to play, like, a, a brass horn all of a sudden, and I'm like, how? They're I don't very know what different. I'm doing. I don't know what the fuck to yeah. do with that. <laughs> and I was so mad. He made me learn it all summer long. He just picked you? <laughs> yeah. That's kind of messed up. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. I was, like, really irritated by it, but it was like, all right, well, I have to because he said <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> what am I going to do about it? If I want to stay in the marching band, I guess I'm going to play the fucking mellophone. <laughs> and this is in Chicagoland area? Yeah. What, where did you grow up? Um, so I'm from the east side, from over east, mm-hmm. you know, as a Chicago it's from the east side. Say. What what specific neighborhood? Um, I don't know what what I I don't know what is my neighborhood called. I didn't realize until I got older that um, different people from different parts of Chicago call things neighborhoods, and I never knew that. <laughs> you live that much in, like, like, your bubble? Yeah, like, you know, Chicago's so different. Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of segregated. Kind of. <laughs> I would say maybe the most segregated city in the country. It's probably the second most, yeah. Yeah. After Milwaukee. Milwaukee's bad? Yeah, Milwaukee's terrible. St. Louis is too, right? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean... A lot of Midwest cities are very yeah. segregated. Chicago's because I've grown up here in this house my whole life and going around Chicago. I'm I don't know your age. I'm 31, so 
I'll be 30 next month. Oh, nice. <laughs> Welcome to hell. <laughs> Things matter. People look down at you. You can't get away with anything anymore. Actually, these days you can. 30 is like the new like 40. 30 is the new 40. The I new thought 40. it was the new 20. <laughs> That's what I meant to say. <laughs> I went backwards. I was like, wait, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> I'll take that back. 30 <laughs> is the new 20. It really is. So right now I'm 21 and... Uh, but I'm really 31, and <laughs> it is weird. You definitely get different takes, different looks, but people are really lenient with it because of the state of society. They're kind of like, oh, whatever, you're yeah. good. Don't even worry about it. I feel like it's not, it doesn't feel as daunting as it once did. It, I think it when not. I was like 25, I was like, oh, my God, I'm almost 30. I'm going to be 30. What is life? <laughs> now I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you find yourself more. Uh, the people I know in their late 30s or early 40s have said to me that, 30s are your best time because you truly have had enough adulthood to hone in on who you are, what you want, your preferences. You get all the nonsense out of the way, the big the big mistakes. Yeah. Uh, the stupidity, career, life, education, all of it just gets out of the way and you know who you are, what you want. You've established your friends. You you have the like you have your relationship with your family. Yeah. You found what makes you tick, the music, the art. Yep. Um, it's crazy. Yeah. I feel like I was just having this exact conversation last night. I was talking to this kid that I work with, and he's a cool kid. He's only 21. So. Mm, okay. <laughs> and, you know, I was telling him, like, yeah, he just turned 21. I was like, yeah, I turned 30 next month. He's like, yeah, but you seem, like, so cool. Like, you have it all together. He's like, you don't seem like you're about to be 30. And I was like, well, you know, honestly, it takes those 20s to, like, figure out what you're doing. I'm like, so don't feel so much pressure to, like, know exactly what you want to do. I had no idea what I was doing with my life at 21. Oh. At 21, I was just finishing college mm -hmm. like I didn't know what I wanted to do and right after that I became a teacher and so I taught seventh grade eighth grade and then I taught high school so I taught for four years and I was like this is not what I'm supposed to be doing what uh what were you teaching I taught history and English oh nice yeah that's what you studied in school then yeah mm -hmm. I well kind of um I studied education policy mm. so I was really gonna change the world <laughs> I, I was really going to you don't want to do go that in anymore? there head first and change the education system boy was i wrong. yeah oh, it's daunting the education i have a lot to say about that being in education still but at the college level i could see how much oh, that's Bo. we can ignore him <laughs> uh i see how much trouble there is and and it's just there's so many things that should be taught that aren't i don't know why we don't talk more about um sex yeah. Uh, drugs, finances. Um, All of those things that, like, kids racism need thing. to know about yeah. because they're going to experience, but we're just going to pretend like they're never going to We, like, barely touch it. And, and the excuse, like, oh, like, they should learn that at home. It's like, but what if the parents aren't educated on that? Then they're not going to learn it. Yeah. Like, if you're just taught, like, just don't, they just don't even talk about sex. Just don't do it. Like, that doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. <laughs> um, I literally worked in a school district that <laughs> had removed the reproduction system from the science curriculum because they just didn't want to deal with it. What? Yeah. So it's like, I guess parents complained about it, the the curriculum being too much. And so it was like, all right, well, if it's too much, then we just won't do it at all. We can't find a happy medium. We're not even going to try. So, like, babies come from nowhere. They just appear. We're not even going to bring it up. 
Oh like they're gosh. literally just like, we're going to skip over this particular system. How old were the kids when they were supposed to be learning that? So like sixth grade, you know, mm. middle school. I think middle school is the perfect time to talk about it because that's when they're experiencing a lot of those like hormonal changes. Yeah, yeah puberty. It's when you one summer as a boy, you come back one summer and you're like. Voice deep, but a like, foot taller. <laughs> that and then you're also like, why am I like looking at. Well, for me, I'm heterosexual, so it's like, why am I looking at women this way? Why am I like, looking what's at going people? on? Especially, like, you think about kids in, like, school. They spend a lot of time together. They mm-hmm. spend, like, especially if you go to the same school for with the same people your whole life. It's like, that change is not... I think this is important. A lot of people may not think this is important, but this is important because it's, like, what I've seen and experienced. Like... These kids know each other their whole lives, and so now they're starting to look at each other differently. This is a friend of theirs that mm-hmm. they're now starting to look at and treat differently, and it's it's kind of like, how do we manage these relationships and maintain these friendships when these like things are like changing for us? Mm. And we're not <laughs> we're not the ones making a change. It's just life is happening to us. So how do we navigate this? Nope, we're gonna ignore it. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. I never thought about that way. Yeah, you sometimes preschool, mm-hmm. kindergarten, first, second, third, fourth, and all of a sudden you're like, I'm like, I like you more than how I used to. Yeah. Like, what is that? And kids are silly. They're dumb. They don't know anything. Yeah. So I'm just going to run up to her on the playground and grab her butt because yeah. impulse is telling me to. Yeah, or someone dared me to like rub up against her boob with yeah. my elbow. Yeah. Just weird stuff. Because I just remember silly those little shit that kids do. And you're like, hey, oh my god! You're like, I don't even know what this is. So it's gonna happen whether we talk about it or not. Yeah. So we should just talk about it. You're right. Yeah. Why? Why don't we? Maybe I don't know. We haven't had kids yet. I can't speak for you. I haven't had kids yet. I haven't had any kids yet either. But I've ex- I've dealt with lots of children because yeah. of teaching. Yeah. What made you want to leave after four years? Um. A lot of people ask, like, oh, like, you hated the kids? I'm like, no, the kids are great. I love the kids. The kids are probably the best part about teaching. It's the administration. It's the politics as, all around. As it always is with yeah. everything. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I was young. I was 22 when I started teaching. So it was like I, would, I was really hopeful, like, that I could really, like, make some change. And, you know, I did what I could. Like, I really did. Like, I made little changes in the best ways that I could. But ultimately, the school district has every right to tell you exactly what to do. Like, one year I was teaching English, middle school English, and they forced an entire curriculum. And when I say an entire curriculum, this is what you're going to say. Here is a script. You're going to read from this script. You're going to teach this and only this. And I should not hear anything other than that when I walk into your classroom. Mm. And you're like, well, what the heck? Like, what well, what if I know of a better way that's yeah. more engaging yeah. to like do this? Read the script. Why are you trying to change? Like, no, we've given you this. Do this. It works. And it's like, but does it work? Yeah. Well, based on your experience, how many of the admins have professional teaching experience? for a long duration, to know what they should and shouldn't do? Or they, do they just go into those those fields? <clears throat> I think it seems like it's kind of difficult to become, like, admin, but sometimes it's you teach for a few years and, you know, if you follow all the rules, you have good test results, you know, 
And because the, like, field is so... People are leaving. Like, people don't want to teach. It's like the turnover is really high. Mm -hmm. They'll just promote somebody that just has been at the school longer than anyone else. And so, like, sometimes that could just be four or five years because (laughs) everybody else is leaving in that amount of time. Yeah, not not compensated well, not paid enough. Not at all. And the excuse, like, well, you're off summers. It's like... You want to know why we're off summers? Because we go so hard for those nine months. Like, you have to be off summers. Like yeah. You, you would burn out. Yeah. You would lose your mind if you were Literally. Weren't. It's a lot. Like It's overwhelming. It's so overwhelming. People don't think about it. They, they think about it, like, in the terms of any other job. But it's like, think about a management position where your employees are 12 years old. And Three there's hundreds years old, of them. Four years old, five years old. <laughs> hundreds and of them. 30 of them sitting in front of you waiting for you to tell them what to do for seven hours of the day. Mm-hmm. And the, the philosophical responsibility of shaping their future. Like you, Chloe, as an educator at the time, anybody in that world, you're responsible for the people that become us one day. Mm-hmm. And that's a very heavy and serious burden that you know, forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year just doesn't cut it if you want longevity, if you want your sanity. Yeah, like and I'm <laughs> I wish that people could really understand like that when we say pay teachers more, <clears throat> sometimes people think about that in terms of like big cities like Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um my very first teaching job was in Phoenix, Arizona. My very first teaching salary was thirty five thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. So like, can't do anything people, with that. <laughs> people want like people in Chicago don't understand that that is like, what could you do in Chicago with thirty five thousand dollars? You would have three. You'd have two other roommates and live at least in not the best neighborhood. Like that's exactly yeah. what would happen. Mm-hmm. That is what happens. I know people like that. Uh, a friend of mine had got a teaching job right out of college at the. Junior high, I went to, and I think his salary was similar to that. Yeah. You know, like, that, it's close to Chicago. You're like, what do you, you can't leave home. You can't <laughs> not have roommates. You can't pay off student loans. Yeah, you can't buy can a car. Yeah, what can you do with that? You can't save. Like, you can't save. You live paycheck to paycheck. What, you're off summers, and you can't even go travel. Like, the cool thing of, like, oh, go travel. It's like, where? I have no money. <laughs> it's like, you want me to, it's like, you get summers off. Yeah, I'm going to sit right here. My Actually, I'm probably going to find a summer You're gonna job. You're going to work. Everybody yeah. you know works during the summer that's yeah. a teacher. Yeah, a lot of teachers work in the service industry, too, because they can do it after work. Mm-hmm. Friday, Saturdays, they'll bartend. Exactly. Yeah, a lot of teachers that I know are married because, not just because, I won't <laughs> the say way just you said because, that. but I'm just saying... <laughs> You have to get married if you're a teacher. You That's basically have to get married if you're a teacher because, <laughs> because you need you a two-salary home because otherwise you will be homeless. Yeah. No, it's you're not wrong. I teach full-time, and I work in between all those hours, and I work on summers. Granted, it's for college, so it's only two days a week, but it's full-time. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's it's not enough. I, I mean, luckily, it's I do other artwork to stay relative in my field so I can keep teaching there. Yeah. But it's still like you have to do it. Like a lot of you have uh, to a lot do of people something teach else. do other jobs. Yeah. It's almost like you have to. Mm-hmm. Like if you are a teacher full time, you're still working part time doing mm-hmm. something else. Or you got really lucky at a good school district and yeah, you have a partner. Then yeah. you might be able to be yeah. okay. True. But if you're on your own, you're twenty two, twenty three, starting out, 
by yourself, like, yeah, you're not in a good place. Nope. <laughs> Luckily, I had, like, family, so I was, like, I was okay. <laughs> Staying places. And, yeah, you know. yeah. And, and so you left because of administration nonsense. You were just kind of over the the shadow of them on you, lack of being able to just do what you feel is right. Yeah. 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 I had, like, I just had some, it was, like, final straw with administration of just, like, not taking things seriously and me just being able to look and see, like, you're doing this for money and money only. Like, it was when I started learning about how, like, school districts, certain school districts are paid per student and, like, noticing that the push to, like, get attendance up around those times. Can you elaborate on that? <laughs> yeah. So, like, you know, there would be a push from administration. and be like, hey, you know, let's incentivize the kids, making sure that they're coming to school because there are certain time periods where the where the where we're funded from they're checking they're checking the attendance because there's a certain amount per child that a school is paid so like per enrolled child but that student is only considered enrolled if their attendance is this right Mm -hmm. and so then i would see on the other end like hey let's incentivize the kids to get to school today how are we going to get everybody to you know show up for attendance Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like not talk about the reproductive system. That's how we do it. <laughs> so just get the bodies here. Get the and bodies here to make kind sure. Kind of who the cares d- what they learn while they're here? <laughs> that's how I felt. Right. And that's, that's how it's so backwards. That is the opposite of education. That sounds like a business. It sounds like yeah. every every business idea ever. Mm-hmm. I just want the product out there. I don't really care what they do with it. Yeah. So yeah. the hardest part about leaving is the kids, right? Like I left after my seniors graduated. I was like, all right, I have done what I said I was going to do. I saw these kids to graduation, and I'm going to go when they go. Mm. That must have been hard. Yeah. And what did you do next? You're 26 at the time? Uh, Yeah, I think so, right? Um, 22, college, 26. Fun fact, they asked me to be a math teacher. I declined. You're like, I'm not doing that. No, math is not for me. No, but I moved back to Chicago in 2018. Um, So I stayed the school year, did graduation and everything. So I think I came back like end of summer Hmm. of 2018. And um, as soon as I got back, I went on some interviews for some other teaching positions, even though I knew that's not what I wanted to do. Got some offers, declined them all. (laughs) Because I just knew. I was just like, I was trying to convince myself, oh, if I try it in another city, because I've never taught in Chicago, even though I'm from here. I never taught here. I only taught down in Arizona. Um, I was like, maybe I should give it a try. But eventually I talked myself out. I was like, no, this is not what I want to do. Um, so I just, I've had many jobs since I've been back in Chicago since 2018. I just kind of started trying shit. Like, I worked in logistics for like a year. That was really fucking interesting but definitely not for me yeah um i did some like executive assistant work some office management work um i managed a restaurant for a year in downtown you got some unique experiences 
<laughs> yeah, that's I was kind of cool. Kinda, well, I was just kind of bouncing around trying to see what stuck, yeah. and um, then the pandemic happened. You know what pandemic? <laughs> what pan? What? Oh, you guys weren't there for the pandemic. No, it didn't affect us out here. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that stopped. Some industries more than others, but it yeah. definitely stopped everybody. Yeah. At the time, I was working as a restaurant manager, um, and so... So I that re- didn't go bo- very well. <laughs> <laughs> Not well, Explain what that's like to be a restaurant manager. What restaurant? Are you, are you able to say? Or do um, you want to say? Well, we'll leave it out. Okay. But <laughs> it's in the city. It's in the city. It's decent in downtown. Restaurant? Yeah. If it's downtown, it's decent. Yeah. So. Yeah. It was in um, River North. Okay. Yeah. Right? River North, Streeterville, Gold Coast, one of those. Oh, that's See, a I'm very bad nice with the, area. With the neighborhoods. Yeah. Bad with the neighborhoods. But pretty big restaurant. Um, and Wait, wait. How did you end up managing it without having previous restaurant experience? Well, all you know, like, I started bartending and serving when I was in college, okay. like, you know, just as a part-time job. So I always had a little bit of experience. So I started bartending there. Um, I was a good bartender, I guess, and they... <laughs> Asked me if I wanted to manage. You just say yes to everything. <laughs> At the time, yeah, I was yeah. kind of just going with the flow because mm-hmm. I was like, let's see. You mm-hmm. know, maybe I do like managing restaurants. And I did. I actually did enjoy managing a restaurant. That was a good time. Um, but it's a lot of work and it's really time consuming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really time consuming. Um, but it closed down in March. They told us two weeks. You yep, know, yep. the same two weeks they told everyone. The whole globe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, <laughs> you know what happened from there? They never reopened. The restaurant still hasn't um, reopened. Oh, no. Yeah, so they didn't make it through the pandemic. Um, but we, they did, I was, we were lucky. They were able to pay us, all of us, my entire staff, like even you know, all the servers, all the kitchen staff, um, they were able to pay us for two months, like, like while we were waiting to see if, like, Ouch. we could reopen, and they tried their best, like, they really did, you know, after that, just so sad, couldn't make it, like, they kept reaching out saying, like, okay, maybe this time, maybe this time, but ultimately, they just weren't able to do it, and I'm sure, like, it's expensive, like, to get restarted yeah. in that area. <laughs> yes. I can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. In that area, it's probably millions of dollars to be there. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a, a hard one for anybody running a business of any kind. Um, how did you go from, what was the next step after the restaurant industry um, during the pandemic? So I just kind of picked up my art stuff and, you know, people still wanted photo shoots, and I had time. <laughs> Were you doing that the whole time, like, on the side? Um, pretty much, like, ish. Like, I started working on music. I started working on fashion. So I started a streetwear brand. I What's was, that called? It's called Infinitely Wavy. That's a nice name. Thank you. How'd you come up with that name? Um, I was trying to think of a name <laughs> for the longest time because I always knew, like, I want to design streetwear. I'm really kind of, and I have time, right? Mm-hmm. I had so much time, <laughs> and I had so many ideas, so many projects in my mind. I just had time to just kind of, like, try them all, right? Um, so I was just trying to figure it out, and I was like, ah, I don't know. And I looked down at my hand, and, you know. 
Oh, nice. Rings. <laughs> I wear these every day. Nails? And I've been... <laughs> it's the rings. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you made those? Um, no. Um, one of these was a gift for my aunt. The other one I bought when I was in um, Bar Harbor, Maine. Mm, okay. Yeah. And so I was just like in one of those little shops, and I was like, I really like this. I'm going to buy it. And here you are. And... um my cousins and I, I grew up really close with my cousins. We all used to hang out all the time. And something that we always used to say is ride the wave. And it just basically means, like, life's a wave. Ride it. Like, you know, not that you don't have any control. You get to make all these decisions. But ultimately, it's like just take what comes and r- roll with it. Mm-hmm. I like that yeah. philosophy. I'm very much of the same belief um, but like, make sure your board is intact. Maybe uh, know if there's coral reef underneath you. Like, yeah. like ride the wave with caution of knowing your surroundings, but still don't ever not ride it. Yeah, you know? exactly. So I've got this one hoodie, and it says on the back of it, "Ride the wave, love the ride," because it's like ultimately things are gonna come at you. It's like you can do all the caution and the planning and the trying and the you know, safeguarding, but ultimately whatever comes at you is going to come at you and you kind of go with it and learn to love it because life's wild. It's going to have its ups and downs, but you ultimately love it. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. That's that's really positive and you have always lived by that? I mean, I've tried and I've gotten a little bit better at it recently. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, you know, lots of things have been coming at me and life has gotten hard. And it's like, especially, you know, being stuck in the house last year, it's like, yeah, I did get to try all these creative things, but that doesn't mean the depression didn't roll into. <laughs> <laughs> last year was a unique one. <laughs> yeah. What did, what did you do to get through it for yourself? Well, actually, I was just talking to, <laughs> I was just talking to um, one of the one of the kitchen staff at my job, and he was just like having a rough day. He's like, I just can't wait to go home and cry. And I told him, I was like, you know what, you should try. You should try crying in the shower because that's a great one. Mm-hmm. That's so. To answer your question, cry in the shower. <laughs> cry in the shower works. Cry out loud. Cry at a concert. Cry in the shower. <laughs> I cried last night at a concert. It was great. Yeah. I, I don't hold back anymore. You shouldn't. No, it's. A lot of men have a hard time with it, and I could say that because I'm around them all the time, and I don't see them cry, So, but they feel feelings, so I'm yeah. like, clearly they're not letting it out fully. Um, music always does it to me. I could, a certain song, I'm just, it just comes oh, out. Oh, yeah, I could turn on a song, put on my head, just ball, just like lay back and just like cry. <laughs> it looked like that one meme where <laughs> she just laying in the bed and it just crying. I'm so bad with memes. I I know like <laughs> one and a half memes. I don't know any. People are always talking about them. like, I don't... No, I haven't I, seen that. I don't... Do you follow memes on fa- social media? Like pages? No, I mean, like, not how really. How do you find them? How do I get them? the memes? Uh, Twitter? They I, just... I don't have Twitter. Oh, you gotta get Twitter. Twitter... It's too... That is... Okay, so the problem with Twitter, <laughs> it is almost 8 billion different consciousness is together. <laughs> In free form. Yeah. With, like, no restrictions except for the arbitrary lines that Twitter puts on things. And yeah. And it's just, I can't. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing if you want that barely controlled chaos. But I, like, to me, I want to 
get those thoughts out through this. Gotcha. Through meeting people, a podcast, recording artists, putting on festivals, teaching students, having conversations with friends, going on hikes and talking. Like, that's where I want to get out. What is going on in this world? Yeah. Not in a place where any feedback you get, it's hard to read context. It could be disingenuous. People want to, people like their avatars so they can say whatever they want. It's really. Yeah, people can definitely hide behind mm-hmm. Twitter very easily. Yeah. I think for me, the way that I kind of like sift through it uh-huh. is I have taken this approach of I don't get into Twitter arguments. <laughs> I will not have you? respond. No, Good. I'm not going to. Good. <laughs> I'm don't. not going to. You're not going to draw me in. You're not. You can say whatever you want, and I am not going to respond if it doesn't seem like we're going to have a real conversation. Like, Has something <laughs> happened before um, to you? That was like no, not really. Good. I think it's just because mostly I'm there for the laughs on Twitter. I'm just looking for all the funny. Oh, shit. so you're like looking at stuff. You're yeah. not like posting and like, not really. Okay. I mean, I am like when when I'm posting, it's more just like my thoughts, just like random thoughts that I'm having. Like mm-hmm. I'm not like making any like super bold like yeah. statements or opinions or like anything like that. Political I'm just kind of like <laughs> sifting through my thoughts. Like, hmm, time to smoke some weed, guys. <laughs> I like that a lot more, like, it's 8 a.m., try to smoke some weed, than the the people who are grabbing for attention, like, who yeah. are saying divisive things and controversial things, political things. Yeah. It, it's very obvious. They're pandering to uh, some, some followers. And yeah, attention. for sure, yeah. And I avoid that type of stuff. I think I follow, like... Less than a hundred people. Okay, on Twitter. so you're, you're very deliberate. With yeah, that. like I follow like a lot of friends, and a lot of my friends are just there, like in the same manner that I am, mm-hmm. just dropping jokes and like song lyrics on the. T- nice. <laughs> so, Twitter, Instagram. Do you do TikTok or Snapchat or anything like that? Um, no Snapchat. I'm trying to get into TikTok. I'm. I can't do it either. I don't want to. I know. I don't Everyone's want like, to. You at should all. do it. I hope you're. Oh, and then they go to this, which you probably heard, heard all the time, like your brand. Like, yeah, I'm like, do oh it for your brand. God. It's such good exposure. I feel like I'm like a athletic team, like my brand. Like I need to wear a jersey or something. <laughs> it's so uncomfortable sometimes. He's wearing my brand right now. What is it? Look at that. But who? <laughs> um, we're both contradicting ourselves because, like, look around us. He's wearing your brand. The stickers with my face on it, and there's <laughs> my face right there, and I, I'm like, I'm being such a hypocrite. <laughs> I, it just doesn't, it doesn't like this feels right, but like pushing that narrative is a weird thing. Yeah, it's real. I guess I should just accept it. What I get do? it, but it's like I think maybe it's maybe you're like me, and you just kind of want people to like organically know who you are, right? Yeah. Like I don't want to like push a personality on people. It's like, then I have to be, like, thinking about, okay, what personality do I want to give to the people today? And it's <laughs> the like... people. <laughs> but then it goes, who are we to even think that? Like, how do I make the people happy? Yeah, and it's I don't want to think it's, about it. <laughs> to try not to have it be contrived, I just kind of let it all flow. Like, even doing this podcast, this conversation, there's no notes. I, I, I didn't think about anything besides I just made sure I looked up your website. And went through it. Like, that's about it. Yeah. And actually, um, I remember how I found out about you through the Kip Instagram. But then I went on your website and looked at your album artwork that you did for uh, Jean Doe. Yeah. Who I like her as, as an artist a lot. And I, I oh, thought dope. that was really cool. How did you get that? Or how'd that happen? Um, so that actually, she, she, John Doe is signed with Art Club, and so I know a few people over at Art Club, mm. and 
I don't know how much of the sh- story I'm supposed to share, but nobody told me to sign an NDA. <laughs> so, then you're good to go. So we're good. Yeah. <laughs> but um, she had a photographer um, shoot some stuff for her, and she was super specific about, like, what she wanted. And um, it wasn't fitting you, if anybody knows, that you have to have a perfect square for album art. And, yeah. you know, things can get cut out when you start, like, adjusting and things like that. And I guess the photographer, uh, they asked for the photographer to... Um, resize it, but when it was resized, it cut out some really important key elements of the the art. So um, I just, you know, I was like, I can help. Here's some mock-ups, guys. And she kind of loved one, and so, like, you know, we went with it. That's so cool. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, so I kind of just offered. I was like, hey, um, I can help. <laughs> yeah. and that's <laughs> That you guys are having this gang, dilemma. I can right? Help. Is that gang? Yeah, gang. Yeah, that's cool. Thanks. I like that. Yeah, and I, I love kind of doing album art. I've done, for the the stuff that I have, like, released of mine, like, someone just, like, um, you know, my instrumentals, like, I've done all the album work for. And, you know, pitching. If you need album art, hit me <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah, tell people where they could find your film art. Oh, um, so on Instagram, I'm at Creative Chloe Chanel. And then um, my website is chloechanel.myportfolio.com. And you can see some of the album work that I've done, but then you can also see, like, all the other type of portraits I've done. Mm. So photography and production for audio, anything, and then the fashion you were talking about. Yeah. Let's talk more about fashion. Fashion, it it entices me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, I didn't realize how much of a creative expression it is until I got much older. Because I always would, I always had a very specific fashion, would dress up in certain ways, but I didn't realize that it was like a true art form. Because uh, this might make sense when you grow up, especially as a man in like a blue blue collar, like working class, anything and everything in the arts isn't real or obtainable. Yep. And you don't really talk about it because it's like that's not our world. We can't have that. We're not going to touch it. You're not going to make a career in it. So like you're not going to you're not going to learn about it. Yeah. So when I started going to art school and meeting more people in my 20s, I started to see like, wait, oh, that's a form of art and that's an art form. And making sound art is an art form. I do that for fun in my basement, but I didn't know that people like go to school for this and get paid to do it and have exhibitions. Like you don't know anything about it. So now I have to like relearn and rethink everything I thought that was art. You're only told like painting, music. And, and that's like, why it's that's so it. hard to call yourself an artist <laughs> exactly. because you think like, all right, well, I don't play a piano or I'm not a painter or a sculptor, so why should I be able to call myself an artist? <laughs> yeah. Because you didn't know that all these things are art forms as well. Mm-hmm. Yep, definitely. Yeah. So back to fashion, What? tell me more about what you do for fashion and why you do it, how you got into it. Um. So fashion's like a weird one because... I, it's a hard one. It's this, I think of all the art forms that I do, it's the hardest to like claim for me because, um, I don't know, like when I was younger, well, in college, I was a part of a fashion modeling troupe that was like founded by one of my best friends. She started it on our campus. It still exists today. Like they're still, (laughs) like they still, it's like, it's, 
it's really cool what she was able to do. But basically, she um, she was like designing like a lot of the pieces that the girls were wearing to walk in, and she was like choreographing the like walks to make the show just like really like cool and like visually like enticing like she was just really good at like kind of like producing a whole show like a whole fashion show and so I was I walked in a show and I was like hate this this is not it like (laughs) I do not want to be a model (laughs) so but that's kind of how I started doing photography because um I would take pictures at the fashion shows that we would put on and I would help backstage and stuff like that help the models get dressed what made you sorry to cut you off what made you not want to be a model um, the same thing that made me stop dancing. Oh, I have a huge background Why in Why did dance. you just catch yourself? Like- <laughs> because, like, a lot of people, unless you really know me, a lot of people don't know I have a, like, background in dance. Like, um, outside of doing, like, band all of my life, I, I started off as a tap dancer in fifth grade. I taught, <laughs> um, I taught dance at a Brookfield Dance Academy in, uh, Milwaukee. I taught dance at a couple of places. I was a dance um, teacher in Arizona. I've taught dance a lot. So yeah, real I, quiet <laughs> talking about dance. Because it's weird because I don't do it anymore. Um, and it's it kind of falls back to that whole thing about like not feeling like you can call yourself an artist in certain ways. I don't like performing. Mm. I learned that about myself. I'm not a performer. And I thought that that like took a lot of things off the table for me as an artist because I don't like performing. I didn't know that I could, you know, produce beats and write songs and not have to be a singer or a rapper. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know that but dance is a little bit harder. It's like to become a choreographer, to become somebody that people respect in the dance world, they do want to see this long list of performing. I did not want to perform. I hate performing. <laughs> so that's kind of that's kind of why. And that's where modeling comes in because you're yeah. – modeling is a weird one. Yeah. I don't want to wa- walk runway. Yeah. I don't. Or even just per- posing. It's a live performance. Posing is not so bad because I do a lot of that now. You do a lot of posing for – Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like I've modeled for some like, like some fashion stuff. So it's like I'm cool with that. I'm cool with posing because – You're not moving. No, not in front of people. <laughs> right. But it is still a form of performance. It in just, a, in it, a different it is. Way. In a different way. Yeah. yeah, in a different way. It's not like you're naturally just in that place, naturally just making gestures. Well, one of my <laughs> biggest fears, anytime I got on stage to dance, anytime I got on stage to like walk in a show, I was like, I'm going to fall. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to fall on my face. <laughs> I have a question for you. And I hope it doesn't sound weird, but. Modeling has always fascinated me, not by what you would think, because people are like, oh, that's a beautiful person, but, like, the psychology behind it. Like, how does one go to themselves, I look a certain way based on whatever arbitrary line so I can do this, and the others who pick you, how do those worlds come together personally and collectively with that that photographer or an agent, and how do you, like, justify what is, like, this arbitrary look that, like, we decide is okay to be on on a magazine or a runway or wearing, you know, fashion posing for a clothing company. And that's a lot, but, like, I always, I never meet, I don't meet enough models or people who have done it to, like, ask those types of questions. Yeah, like, what is, 
how do who defines the standard of beauty basically yeah yeah and <laughs> and how does one become okay with knowing that that you might be might not be your fault it might not be your objective but you might be messing with or hurting other people's perspective of their own like sexuality their own beauty because they're like well I can't I don't look like that person yeah. that person we all we all agree is like really pretty mm-hmm. yeah I think I actually try I think I'm kind of conscious about that mm-hmm. um and I've tried to kind of steer away from like the standard of beauty because so I mean that kind of takes me back to your like question about like how did you get into fashion um like growing up I um I had like not a whole lot of fashion influences around me but I had this one aunt and she's still probably one of the most fashionable people I've ever seen in my entire life she just because she also went to fashion school, so she mm. designed a lot of her own clothes, but then she also bought, like, designer pe- She's just very good at styling herself, styling other people. She just was always really just like, wow. Like, I always looked at her, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, you are the standard of beauty that they're always talking about, and, like, you know how to dress very well, and you're very, very fashionable. And even having that, I still looked at myself, and I was like, I don't want to dress like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you see me right now <laughs> in fucking Ice baggy cube. shirt, <laughs> baggy shirt, cargo pants from the men's section at H and M, and fat ass like Doc Martin boots. Um, I'm kind of androgynous, and that wasn't something that was easy to be growing up on the east side of Chicago in the '90s, yeah. like in a black family. So um, I wanted to dress more masculine and it was hard to have first the influences didn't exist except for the men that I was like looking at like I want to kind of dress like that I like that that's cool Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) but then also not wanting to do that and cause you know like too much attention to yourself because you're a little girl you wear your skirts and you're like cute little crop tops and such like that Um, it felt natural to just it's not like a deliberate thing where you're like, I, I want to do that to like um, be different or upset people. It's like it just felt right to yeah. want to dress that way. Yeah. You didn't really have to think about it after this, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so that's um, that's where kind of all really, really began. And it's like I've struggled throughout like the years kind of feeling like what you said, like looking at this standard of like women's beauty and being like, Maybe I should dress more like that. So I went through these phases, of course, where I was, like, wearing little dresses, like, tight dresses and high heels. And, like, I was like, I don't want to do this. (laughs) But I'm doing it because it's, like, I'm I'm in college. I live in a dorm. And here are all my other friends that I live in the dorm with. And this is what they're wearing. So I want to make sure, like, I look like them. And, but there's, (laughs) there's these, there's these two pictures of me from college that are hilarious to me. Because it's, like. I see myself trying to fit in, but then I also see myself, like, try, like, like, I just look so confused. Like, there's this picture I've got on this, like, cute little, like, tight dress and heels, and I've got on a big-ass chain and a backwards hat, <laughs> and I was like, who the fuck yeah. am I trying to be? I was so confused. It was like, and I just knew I was, like, fighting against, like, what I really wanted to do, and now it's just, like, I just how I want to, 
And I think that was the whole premise of wanting to start, like, a clothing line is mm-hmm. that, like, I want people to dress how they want. So you're not going to find a men's and a women's section on my website. You're just going to find clothing. And it's like, whatever you want to wear, wear that. Like, I if love you that. like that, yeah. like, if, you know... If you see a huge oversized sweatshirt and you're a girl and you want to wear it, buy it. If you see a crop top and you're a guy you want to wear it, buy it. Like, I don't—I'm not going to tell—who am I to tell you what you should buy? I want you to buy my clothing if you like it, but it's not for any specific gender. It's, Mm -hmm. like, not for any specific person. It's for everybody. Yeah. Like, and so I wanted to create clothing that I like, Mm -hmm. that I would wear, and whoever else likes it and wants to wear it, they should do that, too. That's really cool. I'm going to buy some clothing from you. <laughs> I like that. I'm a big fan of not, like, in, being androgynous, like, not having specific things for my gender. I love colors and patterns. I'll wear pink or I don't, if it catches my eye, it makes me, like, gravitate towards it. Yeah. I'll wear it. It doesn't matter the color, the pattern. Most of the outfits or shirts I wore from 16 till I got a job with a steady salary, <laughs> 28, for 12 years, it was... You know, $5 women, air quotes, women shirts at the thrift store. Yeah. Like, I'd go in, I would ignore the man section. I would just go straight because women had 50 times the clothes to choose from, first of all. Yep. And way cooler patterns and unique designs. Like, the men's section was boring. It was like a flannel, like a blue shirt, like a green shirt, just solid and basic. And I'd go over there, and there's this weird paisley with this weird thing and this... This like handkerchief that's attached to it that wraps around like a like a scarf. I'm like, this is awesome. I love all these things. These are forms of expression. I love the patterns. I love the fact that they go well with that. And I got used to it and I really enjoyed it. And I can't find that with men's clothes. It's it's a little bit easier now these days. Mm-hmm. You have to spend more money. Yeah. You have to go to like more unique fashion companies that will do that. But your standard stuff, your your more like mid tier stuff, stuff that's affordable. Yeah. Not, not so much. Yeah. No, and I, I completely get that because when I walk into a store, I don't care what I don't care about the sections. I'm shopping around the entire store. I'm going to look at whatever catches my mm-hmm. eye in this store. So if it's in the men's section, there are times I've gone into H and M and bought nothing from the women's section, yeah. but I've left like spending a hundred dollars. Do people ever ask you, is this like for your boyfriend or your dad or your brother? Yeah, sometimes we oh I, <laughs> I was buying a suit once and um I was kind of embarrassed, so um, I did ask for help, and the guy was like, oh, okay, is this, like, for your son? And I was like, it's for me. My son? How old do you think I am? (laughs) This is a grown shirt. He's like, you can get it custom tailored. Like, if you bring your kid or bring whomever in, he can, you know, I can measure him. I was like, well, can you measure me? (laughs) (laughs) It is funny. For me. (laughs) So that's the only time that's happened to you like that. Um, some like it'll happen every once in a while. Like, you know, if I'm buying like stuff, but I think now people are kind of just like, who cares? Yeah. Yeah, I think people don't care as much. Like, if you're in the right place. Yeah. If you're you're shopping in like a major city, probably not. Right. Yeah, if you go to a Kohl's in the middle of nowhere, like Iowa, they yep. might be like, ma'am, I don't know if you should She's like, that. well, do you know what size he needs? <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Do you know what size your son is? Around here, the ladies like to have kids at 15, so it makes sense right. that he would be full grown at 30 <laughs> for you. <laughs> I assume too much, but it's it's true, though. Um, <laughs> fashion. I want to go back to music production. How, when did yeah. you start getting into that? So, 
that one um, I was confused about for a while because I didn't know what it was that I wanted to do. Have you ever, like, experienced that, like, you you want to do something, like, you want to get involved in something, but you don't know what it is? <laughs> Uh, depends on how much weed you smoked. Uh, no, that has never happened to me, <laughs> ever. All right, I'll explain, I'll explain. <laughs> yeah, you should elaborate. So I was like, all right, it, it it only happens when it's something that you're just like, super, like they're not knowledgeable about, like that you, nobody's ever taught you before. Okay. So I was thinking to myself, I really want to, I didn't know I wanted to make music, but I was like, who makes the beats? Like, how do the beats become the beats? Like, I'm going to these festivals, and I'm really loving all of this music, right? Because I particularly like house music, like electronic house music. And so I'm at these festivals, and I'm like, is it the DJ that is making this sound like this? Maybe I want to be a DJ. So then I started doing that, and I was like, no, you don't have enough control over what's coming out of this, like, mm -hmm. over the sounds that are being created. Like, you get to play with the effects and you get to play with the drops and stuff like that, but you don't have the control that I'm looking for. Who am I looking for? And then I started, you know, doing my research and I found out that I was looking for the producer. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking for the person who creates this from scratch. Yeah. Because then they get to make all of the decisions about the the instruments, mm -hmm. but I did it, but you don't know what you don't know, right? Yeah. So it took me a while. So I did start DJing and then I realized that's not what it was that I was looking to do. I wanted to do beat production. So, um, I ended up reaching out to pandemic times again, were very helpful when, you know, everybody's kind of just chilling. So I reached out to a couple of producers that I knew and I was like, Hey, can you show me how to do this? And they were all happy to help. And so, you know, they set me up with all my first, like, little, I got my, like, MPC, my little beat pad, and I got headphones, and, you know, I got all the DAWs that I needed. Everybody's like, Which here's DAW do you use? Um, so I started with FL, like mm -hmm. most people do. Um, mm -hmm. Now I've got Logic Pro. Nice. Um, yeah, and I'm, I've used Reason. I've used um, Pro Tools. But what I have currently is Logic Pro. Have you used Ableton? Are you... Actually, Ableton's the first DAW that I ever used. Okay, mm -hmm. because based on what you were saying, usually that's what people go to first. Yeah, Ableton Live. Mm -hmm. That was the first DAW I did use. But um, I like Logic. It's cool. It gives me some like. I like it. I like the flow of it. I very and, intuitive. Very yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. That's what I've been using for about a decade. So, I, I feel you on that. It's. Yeah, you're good. Uh, it's a. We're talking to somebody else who's leaving the room. Uh, <laughs> it's a good place to start if you want to be able to do beats and more production, like what you want to do, but also yeah. still do engineering if you want to record. Exactly. Music. Yeah, and that's what I. That's where I'm headed now. Like, I feel comfortable producing beats. I feel comfortable writing lyrics, and now I really want to learn a lot more engineering. So that was the. That was the reason for picking Logic. Like, mm -hmm. okay, this is a nice, like, intro way to get mm -hmm. into, you know, recording my voice or recording other people's voices. And Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's that's really cool. I, I respect that. I've been doing that a long time. That's what I teach, so I can... Oh, cool. If you have any questions, oh, off mic, I can yeah. help you with anything. Hey, now if I'm texting you, like, okay, now how do I do this in yeah, Logic? feel free to reach out. <laughs> oh, I can even send you a bunch of stems for you to practice on, like, mixing and stuff. Oh, I have, cool. Thousands. I got a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, that I would super appreciate that because yeah, I definitely think um, I'm. I want to move into engineering. Like, I definitely want to be able to record sessions and mm -hmm. mix and master. It's fun. The whole world of it 
like even understanding the the differences on the on the superficial side of it. Most people don't know the difference between engineering, mixing, and mastering, mm-hmm. and then production, which is like the underlying fabric that keeps it all together. Yep. Um, for those listening, and you might may or may not know all this, but like engineering slash recording is the art and the technical side of capturing the sound. Mm-hmm. Nothing else. Just how are you capturing it? What instrument, what acoustic space, what part of the room, what microphone, the angle of incidence, which means the angle at which the microphone's facing, the object it's taking in based on its polar response pattern, the sensitivity of the microphone, the type of microphone, condenser, ribbon, dynamic, Um, are you off axis, how far away are you, are you doing a lot of room tone versus direct sound, these are all engineering factors, and a good engineering artist or, or audio engineer sees the client and the talent at hand and knows right away what they should do, where, what microphone should they use. Yeah. Like right now we're doing a podcast. I wouldn't want to use a certain microphone over another one. This one's really great for this because of the windscreen, because the diaphragm is an inch or two away from the windscreen, so you have enough enough distance when you're on it to still have clarity. Yeah. Um, it looks cool. It's fashionable. It has this cable. It's it's become the podcast microphone. Yeah. It picks up a voice really well in the high frequency, so it sounds really nice when you listen back. It sounds very transparent mm-hmm. and and clear. So that's like the engineering side of it. Then the mixing is, or slash blending, it's you're taking everything, yeah. everything you captured, everything that was given to you, and you're making it come together in one fluid complex waveform that gives you all the information in a stereo field. And that is a whole other art form because it's about balance. And it become very. It could be very subjective and objective. Um, recording, like capturing, like engineering, could be very objective because you don't want to clip you also don't want to be too quiet. So there yeah. is really a lot of scientific information you should be taking into consideration when doing it, whereas mixing becomes very subjective. Mm-hmm. Is it rock? Is it hip-hop? Is it house music? Is yeah, it, it, all it's these like are how factors. do you want it to sound yes. ultimately? And that's where it gets really creative. Yeah. And that's where people lose it because they get too in their head like, I don't know, does it sound right? I'm going for this, I'm going for that. Mm-hmm. I can. I mean, even just like tuning instruments, like creating a beat, I'm like that. I'm like... Is this hi hat? Is it what is it doing? Like, yeah. and I'll play with it a bunch. Like, I'll play with the reverb. I'll play with the you know just mm-hmm. the just the way it sounds. Like you know, taking some of the frequencies out or mm-hmm. adding some back in, and I can do that for hours. Yeah, and that's like the production side of it. Yeah, that's where like production's underneath all of it. Mm-hmm. Like, if you can look at it on the spectrum, it's like engineering, mixing, mastering, and production goes underneath all of it because yep. you can use production in every part of it. You could take a microphone, just put it in front of a guitar amp, or you can use that production mindset, like, let's put the guitar amp at the bottom of the stairwell and put the microphone at the top of the stairwell facing down so it's getting all the reflections bouncing Mm -hmm. off each individual staircase. Yeah. And now you're still recording guitar with an amplifier and a person playing and a microphone, but now you just used production. You changed everything about how it's coming in. Yep. Instead of just putting it right against the speaker and calling it a day. So that's like what you just said, like, yeah, you can record a hi-hat, and then you can mix the hi-hat, but what if I want to change the timbre of the hi-hat with equalization exactly. and compression and reverb mm-hmm. and panoramic, moving it around the stereo field, quiet in the mix, distance, tinny, a lot of sibilance. There's so many things you can yeah, do. Yeah, there's so many ways you can change it, and it does get, like, really meticulous, but it does allow you to be so creative mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. like, just, cha- like, I think... Maybe we nerd out about it, but it's like, <laughs> but it's like I don't nerd out about it. I'm hearing not talking something about. like the way it was like originally like recorded, and then hearing the like finished product. Like uh, you don't, 
you know, most people don't hear that. They just hear the finished product mm-hmm. on their streaming service or their download or whatever. But it's crazy the change. Like when you're in the like I was hanging out with a friend of mine who's an engineer and he was um, mixing this uh, track for a band that he works with and he was just playing me the different like stems so just all the different recordings and then the finished product and you're just like it's so much more impressive when you <laughs> yeah <laughs> when you hear where it started and then hear where it ended up and you look at a person you're like you're one of the most creative people I've ever seen in my life yeah. like what the fuck <laughs> yeah you can take this weird thing and accumulate it to some other art form it's like many art forms in one, and the best part about it, if you reverse engineer the whole thing from when it comes out of a streaming service, with, which, by the way, is a whole other art form because oh who are the technologists that created that for mm-hmm. us to put it through? Like, it goes far. It goes deep. It goes deep. <laughs> it's not like, oh, yeah, there's this, like, rich people ha- created this thing. It's like, no, we need it because yeah. our art form can now be heard in a high-quality format, which is amazing. From but anywhere. From anywhere around the world. But then you can reverse engineer, then there's mastering. Then the mixing, the production, then the engineering, but then the engineer, how they learn how to do this stuff. But then the artists, where they come up with the gear, the, the engineers who designed the gear that's being used yeah. to record. Like it goes far. It's and then deep. that bedroom that person sat in when they wrote the, that poetry that they wanted to turn into lyrics and put over a beat yep. and rap over it or, or create a, a folk song over it. It doesn't really matter. It goes so far. And when you know that whole spectrum from an idea to it coming off of Spotify mm-hmm. and the million steps that it takes to get to that, it's mind-blowing. It is. Like, people don't realize <laughs> do there's so many steps. It's such a process. So, I hate when they just degrade it to, like, I like this song. It's cool. It makes me it, – it's catchy. And, like, that's it. It just ends there. <laughs> like, do not realize everything else that went into it. The there's record so label much. that put it out. Yeah. Like, there's the, – the cover artwork, the photographer who took the photo for someone's album artwork because that is the image that is portrayed in which they promoted on the streaming service, like, you need all of it's it. It's what you see when you go look it up. Like, yeah, you to need all click of it. On the, yeah. You need all of it. It shows how symbiotic we all really are, and that's why I, I say it all the time, and I probably should stop, but every pathway that people have in life is necessary. Mm-hmm. Every pathway from what we do, from people who are running a restaurant to people who are in a service industry, someone who's a photographer, fashion, Everyone wears clothes. Everyone eats yep. food. Everyone looks at things. Everyone listens to stuff. Everyone podcasts. The, these things are very necessary. We all love them. So to put certain ones on pedestals based on the arbitrary um, value we place on them, yeah. based on the amount of money they bring back to us is where we place it. And it's not really right because there's so much promising uh, people out there and so many great careers that get stunted or, or halted just because it's not the right one. They're not a doctor. Yep. They're not a lawyer. And therefore, we don't take them seriously. Like, oh, you're just an artist. The artist that we have a hard yeah. time admitting to. <laughs> it's like, but we do so much work. Like, <sighs> believe us. <laughs> and that's, I, my boss, or he was my boss. Now he's just a, he's just a um, colleague of mine. But he's been teaching and he's tenured at ISU for Illinois State University for 20 years. Very creative and smart guy. And I had a, this conversation with him recently, maybe in the summer about why artists and faculty who teach in the arts are paid so poorly relative to those in science and STEM. And he said it's like it's our own fault because we have a hard time placing our own value on it. So why in the world would anybody else outside of that umbrella see it any other way? Like if we don't have the faith to have value in what we do, then why would they? They're just going to base off that. So 
it's almost like we need a couple of years of the collective of people doing things in the arts to like be more bold and brave with what we call ourselves. Yeah. And and owning our creativity and being like instead of saying like, yeah, I'll do that for free. You're like, no, I'll do it. No, that's a hundred dollars. I'm gonna do four hundred bucks. Yeah. Or no, it's a thousand. Like put value on it and you'd be amazed how much people start to go like, oh, okay, like I, yeah. you're for real. Like this is legit. And then you when I'm sure it's happened to you, that Eureka moment when you set a number. And they actually said, okay, and you're like, yeah. I'm like a real paid artist right now. <laughs> like, oh my God, it feels so wild. It like, weird. Very yeah, weird. I just literally had one of those recently, like last month, mm-hmm. like, where it's like, all right, here's a number. And they're like, okay. <laughs> Wait, seriously? <laughs> does this happen to you? Does your whole life flash of all the people ever that were like, you can't get paid to do that? Like, yeah, yeah and you, that's and you, too much money. You. Like, yeah. why would you be charging that much? Like, that's ridiculous. No one's going to pay you to do that. Yeah. And then you 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 say that number, and the person goes, okay, and they actually pay it, and you go, wow. Like, yeah. not only was everyone else wrong, I was wrong too. Yeah. I didn't think I could do this. Oh, and know? then if you even go a step further, maybe that, that person or that, that company or whomever said yes to that number – they send you a follow-up and they say, this was great. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yes. And then you really don't know how to ask. Yeah, this <laughs> was just great. Like, Can we, and we referred you to somebody else. Yeah. And then another person reached out and you're like, oh my God. And now all of a sudden <laughs> you've, uh, you know, expanded your portfolio. You've built your book of business up and it's just like, how did we get here? <laughs> it's trippy. It's trippy when yeah. you get that email and it's, you don't know who they are. And even in the way we are speaking now, how we met each other, it's the same yeah. thing. Yeah. You get that email, you don't know who they are, and they go, hey, I heard about you through so-and-so. They told me about you, and we really liked your work. So now they liked your work and someone else was speaking about you. Yeah. Without you being around, they had no reason to say anything. None. And they still gave you work because they enjoyed what you did. Yep. All of a sudden, it's like word of mouth has spread, and people are praising what you do. Like, people don't realize that even, like, the like the the smallest compliments like that may seem small that may not seem like a big deal like really speak volumes to you like someone recently told me based on some work that I did they're like oh I saw this work that you did for you know this other group and it was really good and he said to me I love the way that you capture black skin and I almost cried wow <laughs> because that's like I don't know, like, um, if you saw, like, any of the, like, the the issues that people were having, like, with Simone Biles being shot poorly, like, in poor light and, like, not, like, um, highlighting her skin well. Mm -hmm. It just was just shot poorly because Mm -hmm. this person did not know how to shoot black skin well. Like, they just didn't. And so, like, to hear a compliment like that from somebody, and it's like, I haven't reached the levels of shooting for Vogue quite yet. But hey, y'all, if you need (laughs) me, I'm very good at shooting. You should So he doesn't realize, like, (laughs) that guy that said that to me didn't realize that, like, that makes me feel bold enough to be like, hey, Vogue, you guys want to hire me? That's a really beautiful compliment for a lot of reasons that I don't, I'll never understand, you know, but I could see how that must be really impactful. Yeah. So, like, what are, technically speaking, what are some of the differences of what you would want to do to capture black skin better? Um, This is from a place of ignorance. Yeah, so it's about lighting. It's um, about... Using lighting, I mean, you. whenever you're shooting portraits as, in studio, you're going to have to use lighting. And um, 
One of the things that can happen with um, black skin is it can be shot in a way that makes it look kind of like ashy or it can be shot in a way that makes the person appear lighter than what they are. Um, But there, I mean, there are ways, like, there are ways to adjust the light to put, um, you know, to light people's skin that you're not taking away from it or adding unnecessary, like, things to it. Mm-hmm. It's hard to explain, but photographers know what I'm talking I, I, about. I'm, I'm picking up on what you're saying. Yeah, and so, like, you want to make sure that the 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 exact color of a person's skin is what's, like, really coming through as opposed to, like, not giving them enough light and so now you're especially like a darker person, you're going to lose a part of their face if you're not giving it enough light. Or, Mm. you know, the shadows can cause issues and where you're only getting half of something lit as opposed to an entire, like, face lit. Um, And like I said, I really personally don't like the ones where, you know, the exposure's too high and you're, like, making someone, like, appear lighter, like, much lighter. And it's like, I feel like that's, intentional like Mm -hmm. that's purposeful it's like no like if this person has a darker skin tone show that skin tone it's okay Mm -hmm. because there are people that look like that person that would like to see themselves represented as well without you taking that their skin color and making it appear lighter than what it is right that's that's definitely tricky and i could see it with certain skin tones of brown and black becoming harder because when you're more of the white skin tone light Light works really well with white things. Mm-hmm. Light is white. Right. So, and that's just inherent. And like, it's not, it, that's just the way it is. So it can, I could see that being tricky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It can be tricky. That's, that is a really nice compliment though. Thank, that's yeah, cool. that's what I thought. It's like, it can be tricky, but if you, if you do the work, like it can be done and it sure. can be done well, you know? Sure. So who they hired to, to, to photograph her, one of the biggest athletes. That's what I you know? was saying. I was like. You know, I think sometimes people just have their fallbacks. Like, it's sure. like, all right, well, we always work with this photographer as opposed to seeking out someone who can, you know, mm-hmm. shoot this skin tone or shoot, you know, darker people without any issue. Right. So it's like, don't always go with your, you know, your in-house photographer if what if that's not what they're good at. Yeah. Yeah. Find someone who can really capture what you're going for. Out of those art forms, photography, music production, and fashion, those are like the main three things you... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else or are those like the main, main... Those are like the main things. I would... I mean, I would say everything that I do kind of falls into those main three categories. Got it. A little crossovers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I do, you know, I do video. Okay. Um, like um, I've shot some shorts and I'm... Uh, trying to get my feet wet with shooting music videos or kind of inching our way in there. Um, but, yeah, so – but that all falls under photography, I feel like. Yeah, it starts to cross over to videography. Yeah. yeah. Um, knowing how lenses and, and the, the settings of each camera and lighting work starts to come into play. Mm-hmm. Out of the three of those, then, which one do you – what's your favorite out of the three? Like, if you had to pick one. If someone's like, you can make a living for the rest of your life off one – where do you go? Uh, I don't know. It's hard to pick. I know. <laughs> I think I think I've made up my mind so much that I'm not going to pick. <laughs> that it's you need so all three. Hard. Yeah, no. I need all three. Uh, yeah. Um, but I think 
I think that's what I learned about myself in my 20s mm-hmm. <laughs> is that there are so many things that you can be good at um, and you're not necessarily always going to just love one, mm. right? And so it's important to not shut out those other things, you know, just because a lot of us grow up thinking, oh, we have to pick one job and stick with it and then we're going to retire and then we're going to have a good life. Like, no, that's not the reality of life. (laughs) The reality of life is if you enjoy something and you can make money from it, do it. If you enjoy something and you can't make money from it, do it. If you enjoy it, just do it. (laughs) And so, like, I love photography. I love music and I love designing and all I've been trying to do for the last like year um, two years is figure out how I can make all three of those things work together yeah (laughs) so like when I when when I do like promo videos like that people ask me to do for like branding for them it's like can I score it myself and they're like yeah go for it great so now I get to add music production to the videography that I'm doing yeah. and stuff like that. So I'm always trying to find the crossover so that I don't ever have to give up any of Right. Them. No, I. <laughs> you make a great point, and I really relate to you on that one. It, it's I'm doing it right now as we speak. It's I love recording. Yeah. I love videography and camera work. I love conversations, and I love learning things from other artists, and bam, we're doing all at Doing it all together. Yeah, so it's... You're finding the crossover. Yeah, it's a little bit of everything, and then, you know, the recording studio and a music fest, it's it's everything I like to do. I just keep adding to it, and you realize there's a lot of crossover. Some things take longer than others. This is a hobby of mine. Like, this is on the side, and it's fun, but I, I couldn't give an answer just like you couldn't give an answer. You realize the answer is like I need all of it. Yeah, like, I'm not me. I'm not Chloe without all these things. Exactly, you know? all these things that I really enjoy. Like mm-hmm. I need to be able to do them. Yeah. It, does it ever sadden you when you meet individuals who won't do anything that they enjoy, and if they do, they're kind of resentful because it's not. It might be a hobby, but it's not quite what they expected, or they want more out of it, or maybe because. They're not getting paid to do it. Yeah. They don't see it to be fruitful. I don't know. Like, kind of just resentment towards anything and anything and everything that others do that is, like, fun and creative. Yeah. Did you ever notice that? I I have noticed that, yeah. But I get it because, I mean, I could completely understand it. Like, you know, with dance, I was, like, so mad at it for a long time. And it's, like, you saw how I was, like, it was hard for me to You're, talk yeah, about you earlier. Yeah, nervous to speak about it. Yeah, because it's, like, it feels like I did something for so long and gave up on it. Oh. But it's, like, it It took, you know, until, like, recently to think about it in a different way. And the way I had to think about it is I like dancing. So what do I do? Every once in a while, I'll go take a couple of dance classes with friends and I have a good time and I get to get it out. What do I do? I go to concerts and I dance mm-hmm. and I go to festivals and I dance. And so it's like I just had to learn that like I am okay with dance being one of those things that I don't make money from that I still really enjoy. But it's just something that I do as a hobby. And that's mm-hmm. okay. Like you don't have to make money from all of your hobbies. Yeah. You're not going to. You're not going to. <laughs> You're just not going You're to. You're not going And that's fine. You can really love something and still not make money from it. And that's okay. Yeah. You just got to know, like, this is a thing that I like that I don't make money from. That doesn't mean I shouldn't do it. Yeah. You should. The best job 
or jobs in the world is just doing what you love and then out of nowhere people <laughs> want to pay you for it. Yeah. But do it anyway. Exactly. Like there is no money attached to anything going on in this very room right now. It's just a complete side passion project that I just do for fun and I just love doing it. Yeah. If you if I met you randomly at a concert or show a party or a gallery or whatever and you were willing to sit around and talk, I would talk I'd do the same thing. Yeah. No mics or cameras or lights included. It wouldn't really change anything. And anybody who knows me knows that. And I'm sure anybody who knows you knows that, like, she'd make clothes or produce music or, or take photographs anyway. Yeah. Regardless of an Instagram or a paycheck or clients or or collaborating, it, mm-hmm. you would do it regardless. Yeah. And that's a really beautiful thing that a lot of people have. They just won't go for it. It's that extra step. Like, what was the leap you took to just go into it? Was it inherent? Did it take a lot of courage? Like, where did that come from? Yeah, no, it's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy at all. No. Like, I mean, it was, the process started while I was still teaching, mm. you know? Like, I started thinking about all of the creative things that I really, really enjoy. And um, I just kind of made the decision, like, all right, this is something I like. Let's try doing it. Like, let's not have huge expectations about what it's going to look like, what it's going to be like, if it's going to pay anything. Let's just try it and see where it goes. So I sat down and I wrote it down. Like, I've got a bunch of notebooks. If you don't have a bunch of notebooks where you just doodle and write dreams and stuff like that, get some. Yeah. <laughs> because, I mean, I'm not saying I wrote down, like, these super crazy specific lists. Like, no, I just doodled. I would just thought about, like, what do I like? What do I want? What do I not want? What in, like. What do I enjoy doing? And I just kind of made different, like, little lists, and they're not beautiful. Like, they're just, they just are. And then I kind of, th- and then that just helps me think through things. Like, okay, I like this. How can I try this? I like this. How can I try this? Okay, I like photography. Let's purchase a camera, mm-hmm. right? Let's um, do the research. What are they saying are the best, cheapest. (laughs) (laughs) Cheapest is key. Cheapest. What are the best, cheapest um, cameras that I can get that are still good quality? And I still have that first camera that I got, and it still shoots great quality. What was it? Yeah. Um, It's a little Nikon D3400. I think it cost maybe like $500. (laughs) And I know that sounds like a lot, but if you're really trying to get a DSLR, you kind of have to spend uh, something like that at least. Mm -hmm. Um, And... You work your way up from there. And that little one, you throw a 50 millimeter on that, I'm going to show you some great portraits that I What is your favorite lens in millimeters for photography? I love a 50. Why Uh, why a 50? On a full frame or a crop? um, On a full frame. Full frame. So what makes you like a 50? For those listening, sorry to cut you off. (laughs) 50 millimeter is the lens. Full frame and crop, they're different, but a full frame is like the tried and true image that you would want. Mm -hmm. And that's just... We're talking about the sensor, uh, yeah. the image size. Okay. So it's it's one of those things that if you have a 50 millimeter lens and you're just like, I don't know what I'm going to capture to, throughout the day. Um, I just need something. It's not heavy. It's a little guy. And you can shoot indoors. You can shoot outdoors. And it is going to give you some great quality. I personally prefer my 50 millimeter manual because you – if if when I have my glasses on, my eyes sharp, <laughs> <laughs> and I can capture some really great portraits with a manual fifty millimeter, like some really like indoor, outdoor portraits, 
it's just one of those ones that Do you like the the narrow window of it? Is that what does it for you? Yeah, I think so. I think it it it's got some it's got some good like blur on it, you mm-hmm. know. So it's giving it's gonna give you like a really clear picture of like if say you're shooting a model. I think that's the what it's best for. Like if you're shooting people, um, you're going to get really clear on their faces. So like when you're in editing, you're just doing very minimal like smoothing and like it's just it's just great. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know how yeah. to describe it. It's just great, but I cannot. I cannot claim that little tidbit of advice. I'm going to shout out my friend Leanne, who's a photographer. She told me this. Like, um, I was doing a photo shoot with her one day. She's been shooting longer than I have. Um, I was doing a photo shoot with her one day, and she told she gave me that little gem. She's like, get a 50-millimeter lens. She's mm-hmm. like, it'll be the best purchase that you've ever made. She's like, it's worth it. It's not going to break the bank. It's little. You could take it everywhere. And she was absolutely right. Yeah. No, <laughs> I love 50. Right. I have a 50, a couple as well. And yeah. I agree. 50. I've heard 35 is like the most standard as far as— The 35 is nice too. Like as far as just perfect imaging of what— you're putting into it what you get out of it. It's very transparent. There's yeah. no rounding of curves. It's not narrow. It's like, I think I guess the way to put it is it's the exact way maybe we see our eyes work. Yeah, I think that's what I've heard. Okay, I don't know how true that is. I like the I like the 35. The 35 is nice. Yeah, and then once you get like I have a 24, but on the full frame, it starts to round off on okay. the corners. It's so wide. <laughs> like, I could be right here and just see, like, the whole room. Yeah. The the 35, I think, is wide enough but not too wide. Yeah. You yeah. don't want that rounding. As soon as you mm-hmm. get the, the curves bending. Yeah. But on the crop, it doesn't bend, the 24, but only on the full frame does it bend. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know enough about that. I just know that's what's going on. <laughs> um, I've never I've never had, like, a professional portrait. Like, I've never had a professional photographer on, on myself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I wonder what that's like. I mean, I know you have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is it um, what do you when you do it? What is the purpose of you doing it? Is it? Just for fun to have your own work? Is it for promotional like material? Um, I think I've been asked like so. I have a lot of photographer friends, mm-hmm. and um, so they'll ask like, "Can I shoot you?" Like, because you know if they want portfolio work and stuff like that. And I'm really chill, so I'm like, sure. <laughs> So a lot of it's that, like a lot of it's like just being a practice model for my other photographer friends. Mm -hmm. And then um, I've got a couple of friends who have like clothing brands as well. And they're like, model my clothes. Okay. (laughs) Deal. (laughs) Fine. (laughs) Yeah. I get to sit here in the limelight, not do anything. My one, like my one photographer friend who I um, shoot with, like who I've shot with a few times, Janito Photo. Shout her out at Janito Photo. But um, I like shooting with her when she's like doing portfolio work because I just feel like I get to be my true, just like androgynous self in all of her work. She loves it, so I'm like, I get to be me. Mm-hmm. Like, so I love shooting with her. That's cool. She's like, wear whatever you want. Great. <laughs> <laughs> now, are these in like traditional? Studios? It's just anywhere? Sometimes it's studios. Sometimes it's outdoors. I love a good, like, photo walk. Like, I love when I am doing my own portfolio work and I'm, like, reaching out to people. So I don't always just reach out to the people who are, like, models by trade. Like, if I see you on Instagram and I like your aesthetic, I might 
be in your DMs like, hey, would you <laughs> want to model for me? And then, you know, it's a TFP. You get free work. I get portfolio work. And it's, you know, it's a good trade off. But um, I lost my train of thought. But I love a good photo walk. <laughs> like, I, I'm always down. Like, I love when people are down to just, like, hop in the car and we ride around and find some dope spots. Oh, I see. Like, yeah. And just, like, oh, that looks cool. Like, let's go pose up in there. You want to go break into this train yard with me? <laughs> <laughs> what is it with artists and we justify breaking the wall? Like, it's nothing. It's art. As long as it's for art. And you go, like, well, I'm not, like, affecting anything. You'll do yeah. it. Like, I've trespassed to record stuff now i got a permit yep to record you know videos and music you're just like i don't know like i'm not doing anything wrong right yeah it's better <laughs> to ask for forgiveness than permission 100 percent. i i when i was i was in brooklyn new york in august filming bands and i met this this one guy who's we were going to record a solo acoustic session and other people were going to meet us there and he's like yeah i have this friend we can go on this rooftop and record and i was like okay cool i didn't think yeah. anything of it and we're up there recording like okay and just like it's really hot. You see, we're in Williamsburg. You see the New York skyline. It was really amazing. Dope. Yeah, it was so cool. <laughs> and the artist, the other his other friends are showing up. We're hanging out there, and all of a sudden, like these old guys just come up. They're really nice. But they're just like, "What are you guys doing up here?" And we're just like, "Just recording." And they're like, "You guys can't be here." And we're just like, "Oh." And they're like, "Well, after you finish, you guys gotta go." I'm like, yeah. Okay. And I'm like, man. To be an adult who's dressed well with like nice equipment, people treat you so differently. When I was, if I was younger, yeah, and I had a huge like, like I had a huge curly hair like fro type of thing. It was a mess, and I wore the nastiest clothes. They would have been yelling at me, calling the police. Yeah, but if, if I you wasn't look a important man, and act important, people think you're important. Yes, I learned that. Yes, they do. <laughs> yeah, they do. If you just like walk, like you know where you're going, yeah. you know what you're doing, like you're supposed to be there. Like, yeah, yeah, it's pretty remarkable. Having a haircut and grooming yourself <laughs> and wearing like nicer clothes that don't have stains and holes and tucking in your shirt, walking with confidence, uh, holding equipment. People are just like, oh, sir. They still call you sir. You're breaking the law now. Sir, can I help you? What are you What are you doing here, sir? <laughs> when I was a kid, they'd be like, what are you punks doing here? Stay here. I'm calling the police. Oh, yeah. that I mean, that even still happens too. Me and my friend, <laughs> we were on a photo walk and we were in Lincoln Park and we walked past this window and it was like, oh, my God, you can see the light, the way the light is coming through the window and there's this cool chandelier in the back. I was like, all right, I'm going to climb up there into the window and you're going to get the shot. And then out comes the doorman and he's like, you guys can't be here. And I'm like, get the shot. Get the shot. But he's not going to do anything. You want to know why he's not going to do anything? Because you're, you're, to him, he's perceiving you as just women. Like, women can get away with a lot more when it comes to that. I'm not going to lie. Like, I can't tell me times a woman's like, hey, I got pulled over, but I never get tickets. And I go, like, do you cry? And like, yeah, well, of course you don't get tickets. Like, like, it's not even fair. I don't want to talk about how many you're, tickets I've got. Right. Yeah, I know I'm right. Because, <laughs> and I'm not. This is, I'm not judging. I think it's kind of funny because there's many situations where women should, yeah, we don't have to go there right now, but yeah. it's fine. It's fair. It's just kind of funny. Like, just own it. Be like, yeah, you smile. It's funny that you say that because I'm like, wow, I'm that person. Yeah. I have definitely been pulled over. <laughs> and yeah, and you didn't get a ticket. Yeah. Or a warning or whatever. You know, yeah, you get the warning. There was one time. <laughs> This isn't even fair. I know that this one's not fair. There's one time I got pulled over, and he made me get out and everything and, like, walk the line, and he's like, you shouldn't be driving. And I was like, you're right. I shouldn't be you're driving. 
least you're honest. And then he goes, and then I was like, but sir, like, my house is literally two blocks. I was like, look at my license. I live right what, there. Was it really? Yeah. And he's like, I'll follow you to your place to make wow. sure you don't hurt yourself. <laughs> I would be cuff cuff in the back seat, and he would say, too bad. He so followed sad. me home, made sure I went in the house. Oh my God. <laughs> made sure you went in the house, clapped for you. Good job when you got up there. <laughs> wow. Yeah. No. So, yeah, I know it's not fair sometimes. There's a trade off. There's a trade off. I know a lot of guys will like complain about this. I'm like, hey, if that means like they get away with a little bit more in those situations, what about all the times that they don't get away with anything because of being belittled or hurt? by men so yeah you know it's a weird trade-off it's not really you can't compare them but i don't really care because yeah. in the grand scheme of things it's it's not really fair across the board anyway exactly life's <laughs> not fair kids Sorry. no it's not. <laughs> it's not it should be but it's not and especially when it comes to skin color and gender oh, certainly yeah, it's sure. not fair have you have you run into anything of issues like going into the arts being a black woman Hmm. Or, man, that's not the right way to put it, because you are who you are, and it's natural to be who you are. Yeah. So you might not notice a lot of it, but maybe it's because you've been noticing it your whole life that it's become normalized to you. Sometimes it is hard to, like, notice, and sometimes you're not sure, you know? I think that's one of the hardest parts. And, like, not even, you know, not even just in the arts, just in general. Like, just sometimes just those microaggressions, just, like, not being sure, like... For example, yesterday, I was at work, and granted, we wear masks, but I would like to preface this with the other girl that was a part of the situation, she was wearing a costume because it was Halloween, and I was not. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. So um, this woman comes up, and she just starts talking at me. She's not talking to me. She's talking at me. She's like, did you refund my money? And I was like, I'm sorry, what are you talking about? I work at a restaurant right now, part-time. She's like, did you refund my money? And I was like, I'm sorry, what are you talking about? She's like, you said you were going to put the money back on my card. And I was like, I'm sorry, ma'am. I know I may look like the only other black girl that is here right now with curly hair, but that was not me. (laughs) (laughs) Not me. She clearly has on a costume, but okay. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. So, yeah. So just like even like... So sometimes it's not huge things. It's not that. It's just the tiny little microaggressions of just like, oh, well, you must be the same person because you are also black with curly hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, But it's like not even taking the time. And I had that happen in college. This woman I can like write off and like not care about. But I had a professor in college whose class I went to every week. Mm. There were me there was me and one other black girl who was about a foot shorter than me with dreadlocks down her back. And she would always call us the wrong names. Mm. And when I said something about it, she told me, Well maybe you two shouldn't sit next to each other. Oh my God. That's a that's a bad response. Yeah, that's hard. <laughs> so, yeah. It's, like, a, it's a lot of little things that accumulate yeah, your whole life. It's not always, like, big stuff, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's a lot of little stuff. It's a lot of little stuff. That's not what you hear about in life on the news, social media. They focus on these big things, these, like, yeah. cutting-edge, just deep things that are just really in your face or mm-hmm. a great slogan, a great headline. 
instead of the little things like that, just very passive things. Yeah, and that's why I think it's the little things that are important to talk about a little bit more. It's like not to harp on the little things, but it's 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 like when you're trying to explain to somebody like what are microaggressions what is like what are you know like what are these small instances of racism that you experience because those are the things that are going to change people in their everyday lives right you know they can look at a tv screen and be like well i'm not uh you know like pulling over somebody just because they look a certain color or i'm not crossing the street because i see somebody um that looks a certain color right it's not those things. You may not be doing those big things, but you may be doing these tiny little things like walking up to a black person and being like, oh, my God, I'm going to put my hands in your hair. And it's like, don't touch me. I don't know you. <laughs> like, People do that? Yes. <laughs> it's not the first time I've heard that. And every time I hear it, I'm like, what do you – like, who just goes up to someone and just touches them? Precisely. <laughs> what is this? Uh, it's human hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I don't – Little things. It's the little stuff. I I can't imagine I it's so hard to like unlearn a lot when mm-hmm. you grow up in you know the southwest suburbs of Chicago it's 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 working class blue collar old school a lot of under educated people people of like truly ignorant of a lot of things going on of the bubbles they live in mm-hmm. and I don't fully blame them it's the education sh- system they came up with it's the financial situation they came up with yep they were taught the wrong things in the 60s and 70s. And I grew up with that, like my grandparents and parents. And it's so hard to unlearn the little tiny things. Yeah. It's the smallest details of how you, even the language you use, you might not even have malicious intent. You're just using po- poor language to describe yeah. something. Yeah, and that yeah. could be offensive. Mm-hmm. The littlest thing. Um, but mostly it's been just listening and hearing out people instead of waiting for your time to talk and doing that across the board, not just a white person or a black person, but all people, and yeah. a woman too. Mm-hmm. Women constantly are, are, are spoken over. They, they constantly don't get the same voice that a man does all the time. Yeah. And it's across all industries. And it's really, it's sad. And once you think about it and you become aware of it and you listen, you realize how bad it actually is. It's like real. They'll yep. just be, wait, wait, like, no, like, just wait. What do you think? And they'll ask, they'll ask Bob what he thinks. And as soon as Carol speaks, they'll just be like, I don't know, Carol, are you sure? They'll question her. Yeah. You know, her and Bob are saying the same thing. I'm giving <laughs> exactly. weird examples, but. No, I it know happens. what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I've heard this. This is this is not my own saying. I've heard this from people on your side of the microphone. A lot of women have said this mm-hmm. doing this show and working with artists over and over again for years. Uh, students I have, I start to see it. And I'm, the more I see it, the more I sit back and listen, the more obvious it becomes. You know, and it's super heavy and really weird that not enough people notice it yeah. or do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Do you find that um, a lot of women in your circle and in the world that in which you encompass, they have a lot of those same stories? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, in almost every profession, um, you've I, I've dealt with, you know, like men and it... it, it it can come from gender. It can come from age. Like, I had a, I worked with a teacher once. Um, I was made lead um, English 
teacher. So that means I was the person like kind of like administering the curriculum and things like that to the rest of the English staff. He thought I was too young, too femi- like too girl, too black. I don't know, but he was not happy. <laughs> and so like, yeah, I, I mean, <clears throat> and just women being passed over for jobs, um, I've found out that I've had exact credentials as somebody else doing the exact same thing, a guy, and he was making more money than I was, and I presented it. and But it was a whole process that I had to go through. It was like I hit them up professionally. <laughs> and I was like, you know, it's come to my attention that, you know, this is the going pay for this position apparently, and so I would like to receive that. No. All right, well, here's my lawyer. Like, you have to escalate things. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, having to escalate things because you're not being given the same treatment. You're not being made, given the same pay as someone who you have similar credentials doing a similar job to. And having to go to that extreme to get it taken care of. Mm-hmm. What happened with that when you they, the lawyer? They eventually gave me the money that I asked for. What was their reasoning? Well... <clears throat> Well, you know, like, I think they assume that you might not escalate it that, you know, far. You ask, you, we said no, and that's the end of it. Like, no, I'm going to take it further because I think that I have a case. And, you know, my lawyer contacted them, and they negotiated, and eventually they sent me a new offer letter. <laughs> but this is a school system. Mm-hmm. It's so bizarre that they think that they could do that when the whole point of education is to, like, to un, un, reveal the truth and, and unveil yeah. things and, and have transparency across, like, growth and learning. And to do that to your own faculty seems like, mm-hmm. are they waiting for a lawsuit to happen? Like, I don't know. And it was a new, and I want to say it was a newer charter school. So if people are like, you can't do that in the public school system, yeah, you probably couldn't do it yeah. in a big public school system like CPS. But a small new charter, absolutely. Yeah, private situations, private mm-hmm. institutions can get away with a lot more. Yep. They they're not beholden to so much government regulation and rules and exactly. eyes. There's not enough people looking yeah, at it. Yeah, there's not enough people looking at it at all. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they tried to turn it back on me like, well, how do you even know this? Uh-uh. It's illegal to tell people that they cannot discuss their pay. Mm-hmm. Like you as an employer cannot tell us that amongst each other we can't discuss our pay. And they'll try. They'll try to say that like that's against the rules, but it's literally illegal mm-hmm. for you to tell us that we can't discuss our pay. So I was discussing, we were discussing, he and mm-hmm. I, and I, that's how I found out. And I was like, well, that's, that's not, not okay. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, that's tricky. Yeah, a lot of private companies... Schools or just companies, women I know that have worked in them that have had issues with financial situations or sexual harassment, mm-hmm. as soon as it's like for a, a private company, they're like, I there's nothing really do about it. Yeah. They're not beholden to the same things. Everything's kept private. Mm-hmm. Their financial situation can be private. And if there's a, um, sexual misconduct, they could just kind of find ways to sweep it under the rug. It's like, yeah. I don't know. The public's not aware of it. We don't, like, don't worry about it. Yeah. And honestly... Without the help of, like, the other teacher, the guy teacher, like, he could have been like, I don't want to be involved. Like, don't tell them, like, I was the one that told you, you know, because he could have said something like that. And, like, I don't want to, you know, tarnish my name. I don't want them mad at me because I told you something. Like, you know, he could have said that. But Mm -hmm. instead, he chose to be on my side, which I'm thankful for, you know. Yeah. But he, you know, he could have been, like, washed his hands of it. Like, I don't want anything to do with it. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it, it takes brave people on both sides. Mm-hmm. It takes 
a lot of people will say, they go like, why don't women speak up more? It's like, so if you think about it, if you already are being belittled or abused in whatever way, in what logical sense in your head does it make sense to say anything when you're like the people who are doing why would they care if they're the ones why would they care you you actually do need like other men to rise up with yeah Yeah, an actual professional and personal advocate who Mm -hmm. can be there with you to prove like we're on the same level we rise together and that looks good to people who are like oh well if they're both like it must be more legitimate because if i didn't have him to be like well Here's a copy of my offer letter for proof. Mm-hmm. Like they could say that's not true. Yeah, yeah, and you, you can't win no against proof. administration. Yeah. They have more money, more <laughs> power, more money wins a hundred percent of the time. So it's like, no, he's got an offer letter with your signature yeah. on it. So here we are. Like, that was in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So if, yeah, he helped me out in that situation. It was like, this is like the bare minimum you could do. Like is just just give people fair pay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Why is that so difficult? They're trying to cut corners, yeah. make money everywhere they can, and it's and yeah. it's and it's crazy because it's like if so before something happens to you, it's, it's kind of hard to believe. But I was like, wow, this is really real, mm-hmm. like in a very real way. Like mm-hmm. this is happening, and I can only imagine how it's happening to women in other industries. Yeah. <sighs> Making me all down <laughs> I'm sorry. you've done a lot you've been around <laughs> you've like just from college to now just the last decade you really have it's crazy yeah in this conversation i realized wow <laughs> <laughs> the last decade has been a lot i have been doing I've right? been moving <laughs> that's what made again like how we started this the 20s it's you if you really go for it it could be an extraordinary decade yeah and you know it sounds like it has been for you it's been a wild time i have start, done a lot of different 30, things 30 you said next week next weeks? month next one yeah. what what the day the 16th of december mm-hmm. i'm the 14th what let's have a party together yes. what are you doing for your birthday um i don't know yet all right we'll meet up we'll go do all something right, let's we'll get do all our friends together hell yeah let's go out and party yeah let's get let's trespass take some photos yep <laughs> You want to make a music video? For yeah, our let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> December 6th. You know what? So having your birthday that close to Christmas, for me growing up, I want to hear what it was like for you. Did you get the double whammy or did you get it all put into one? So I think when I was really little, I got the double whammy. And so I got really used to it. I was like, oh, this is what life's always going to be like. <laughs> and now they're like, oh, you want a present? You get one. Yeah. Well, people stop caring after, like, 12. Yeah. They're like, I'm not giving you a birthday and a Christmas one. What, what they would do, a lot of my, 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 my parents and my aunts and uncles, is instead of giving two gifts, they would just give one massive one. Yeah. And on it, it would just say, like, for birthday and Christmas. Yep. And I was like, this is great. This will do. Yeah. Like, I like this. Because it's like, then you kind of get something really expensive. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty crazy. I, I remember my friends being jealous. It's like, you guys get the same thing, but... Don't be jealous. You have birthdays in like June and July, which is way better. Oh my God. (laughs) I, when I was younger, I used to always celebrate my half birthday because it's in June and I always wanted to have a pool party, but you cannot have a pool party in December in Chicago. No. (laughs) So I'm like, I want a pool party. So I'm celebrating my half birthday. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I used to try that. My parents were like, no, you're not. Because it was close to my sister's birthday. Like, no, you're not stealing her thunder. The half birthday thing, but <laughs> yeah, the Christmas birthday. It's it's interesting because you're kind of like always on winter break, mm-hmm. so that's kind of nice. That is nice. You usually get to chill, and everybody's around. Mm-hmm. Exactly, everyone's home from mm-hmm. wherever, so that is nice. You, it's always like a little reunion. Yep. But it's dark. 
It's cold. It's the it's, it's so the lowest amount of sunlight cold. in the whole year. <laughs> so cold. Yeah, that's really funny. I I always enjoy meeting people from that era. I did get to for my twenty sixth birthday. I was still in Arizona, so I got to have brunch on a patio. Oh, for, brun- we're talking about brunch again. Brunch on a patio but for my birthday. But you're not from Lakeview. <laughs> 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 okay, okay. I, I need an answer to this question. Mm-hmm. Why do I'm going to stereotype here, but okay. it's, it's fun. It's light. <laughs> it's not a big deal. Why do women gravitate towards brunch so much more than men? Day drinking. But men love day drinking, too. Yeah. I think it's because of the drinks that are associated with brunch. The mimosas. The mimosas. The champagne and orange juice combo is is a girly drink, I guess. I, it's like, <laughs> sorry to stereotype, but it is kind of a girly drink. It's definitely, drink. It's, if you mean girly, you mean lame. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> It's light. You can knock them back. I think that, you know, for women who don't like the taste of alcohol, mimosas are perfect. It's just orange juice. It's bubbly orange juice. And you can drink like six of those. Oh, my God. Yeah, this is is sounding very girly. (laughs) But I personally prefer brunches where you get a package that also includes Bloody Marys because I'm a fan. I can't. I haven't. Okay. I say I can't do them only because I've never had a real one. Okay. I've had them like when I visit my parents, my brother will make them. And it's a cheap thing in like the kitchen real quick. He whips gotcha. up. I've never had like a nice restaurant one. Okay. I've never had a, not a lot of nice things at restaurants. I don't really go out to eat a lot. So Bloody Marys are like an acquired taste, number one. Like well, people hate juice, them. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. People do not like them. If you don't like them, you don't like them. Mm-hmm. You can't force yourself to like them. <laughs> If you like them, though, they're great. I think the best place in the world to get Bloody Marys is Wisconsin. <laughs> Have you been everywhere in the world? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's your answer. My first bar job was in Wisconsin. Oh, um, so it's just bias. Yeah, so it's a little okay. bias. And we had fucking great Bloody Marys, like the best Bloody Marys in the city. So we have to go deeper with this, though. Like, I get mimosas, Bloody Marys. I Everyone loves to drink with their friends. Mm-hmm. But why? But why, like... Why brunch? Like, out of all the times to drink and get along with your, your your girlfriends and talk and hang out and catch up, like, why that? I think, well, one, brunch is, like, cute, right? <laughs> Here we go. Okay. Brunch is so cute. You get your cute little, like, is it breakfast? Is it lunch meals? Maybe some avocado toast. Like, something real cute that is Instagrammable. And then you get to wear, like, a cute outfit that's not a club outfit, right? It's like, okay, I get to, like, wear, like, a cute outfit that's kind of casual, kind of dressy, and it's daytime, so we got good light to take pictures. It's the most Instagrammable meal that you'll ever have. This got so girl. Like, this is the girliest <laughs> I've seen you in the last, I don't know how many hours it's been. Like, you've been like, yeah, like, boys' clothes would take. Oh, my God, it's so cute. The lighting, the dresses, it's not club, but it's like this, and the mimosas. And, and then the, if there's a good DJ, it's like DJ's all of the, yes, oh, my God. So I need to go to a brunch. I've never yeah. been to one. That's what it is. You got to go to, like, a good brunch. Like a good brunch where you get your table, you get your mimosa, your drink package. Yeah. What time? Like 10, 30, 11? What time is brunch? Like 11 to 3. Oh, I guess I've been to a brunch. Because I've been to like a 1 or 2 p.m. hang out with some friends and got like a mimosa. So I guess. But it wasn't what you're describing. No, you got to do like, you got to do like crazy brunch. It sounds like because other guys were there. I think I need to go with like, how many women do you normally do it with? 
Um, I don't even crew? always do it with women, but like a solid crew one was probably like six, like All a right. big group, and then you can get like a bottle, and then like <laughs> I need to go and with there's six a DJ, women to a brunch. Everybody's I don't know drinking. How this is gonna happen? But I need to do it. I want to sit there and be a fly on the wall and just see what it's like. <laughs> I just want to go and be like, "What's going on here?" I I don't know. I'm I'm curious about that stuff. I'm really curious about like certain gatherings of of different like sexes and different mm-hmm. genders. It's fascinating to me because it's the same thing with guys. Like I have a lot of friends and I have a lot of guy friends, and the second there's like no women around, things change. Like, oh yeah, a lot. Oh my god, <laughs> I was hanging out with a group of bikers last night, so I completely <laughs> <What>? understand. <laughs> Just your typical Sunday night biker hangout. Biker hang. <laughs> This is like, like six guys, and they're just they're bikers. So oh, yeah. you know. Oh, you don't need <laughs> you don't need this anymore. But it's the thing is, I don't care who you are. Most groups will they'll they'll get as natural as they can get around someone they're close with. But the second they truly are like, it's just dudes. Mm-hmm. It's just women. The second it's just that things really. really oh yeah, change. it gets different. I'm sure, I wish I could see and hear what women start talking about. Like, I would love to know. We talk about all kinds of I things. really want to know because <laughs> it, with men, it doesn't go where you would think. They don't just start going, like, like tits and, and ass. Like, it doesn't go to that. It's usually, like, you think Brady's going to win another one? <laughs> it's like, did you hear that new uh, that new record by so-and-so? It's like, and if it does... I'm not a good example of this because I'm not like, I don't really speak in the same way a lot of men might about it. But if it does get sexual, it usually is very still chill and like calm and like, yeah, I don't know. I was talking to this girl. Like, it's so subtle. I don't, I would love to hear the way women go about it. I'm very curious. It depends too, like on the groups of women. So I have to be honest, like, I have a lot of guy friends. Yeah. (laughs) So, like, I've got like, I've got my like solid like girlfriends, like, um, but I wouldn't even say that, like, my solid group of girlfriends, like, gets together, like, as a group very often. It right. just, like, hangs out. Like, it's usually, like, a one-off. Maybe there's, like, two of us, like, going to lunch or something or maybe three of us, like, hanging out. But there's never, like, a big group of us. The group hangs that I usually do usually include a lot of guys. And sometimes I'm the only girl or, like, one of, like, two girls. Yeah. So when I'm, like, with my girlfriends, we – I think – I think guys think that we talk about, like, things, like, guys a lot and stuff like that. And sometimes we do. We do talk about boys, but we talk about all kinds of random things. Like, for example, when I was in high school, (laughs) I went to an all-girls Catholic school for a little while. And, you know, you think girls are sitting around and, like, talking about all the boys that they see outside of school. And it's like, girls are literally having competitions to see who can go the longest without shaving their legs. Like, mm. girls are, like, weirdos, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. they're piercing each other's belly buttons in the bathroom and just doing stupid sure. shit. Like, you know, Figuring guys are, like, too. falling off of things and girls are like, here, put a, can you, like, take this needle and, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dumb my stuff ear in their for own me. way. Yeah. Stuff that's relative to yeah. you. Yeah, so, like, young, course. so, like, that's, like, teenagers. And then, like, girls, like, we talk about Life, relationships, jobs, you know. I want to know what you talk about when it comes to, like, why you wouldn't or would, like, date somebody or marry somebody. Mm. Like, that's what I want to know. The deep stuff. The deep stuff. Like, the real reason. Not superficial stuff. Like, oh, like, that person's cute. That person's hot. or like, this about them. Or, like, this is. I want to know, like, 
the fundamental reasons behind the decisions of, of a relationship. The crazy thing is, like, we definitely talk about that stuff. The crazy thing that I think is that, like, how different women all are. Like, mm-hmm. we're not all always, like, in a room agreeing with each other, like, oh, yeah, that's, like, something that we necessarily have to have, like, when it comes to a relationship. Like, I'll hear one friend say this thing, and another friend will say this thing, and I'll say this thing. And it's, like, they're all different things. Yeah. yeah so it's, like, we're all individuals, like, men, women. Like, sure. ultimately, yeah, you'll get into a, you You make friends based off people who are similar to you. Like, you guys have things in common and stuff like that. But, um, you know... One of my, one of my best friends, um, she's Palestinian and she's Muslim, and so like for her, starting a family and getting married means something completely different than my, you know, black Christian friend, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So like it just looks different, like Absolutely. so. But you know, it's always good conversation. It's always yeah. good because it's interesting yeah. to see how differently people think about like love and relationships and marriage and things like that. Yeah, it, I'm it, always it, the wild card. They think I'm the crazy so? one. <laughs> like, I think because I'm a little bit more. Um, one, my friends are a little bit older than me. Like my closest friends, they're mm. all a little bit older than me. I'm like the youngest of like most of my friend groups. Okay. Um. So like how much younger? Not like crazy younger, maybe like a few years, like two, three, four years, maybe. Okay. You know see, I'm the oldest. I have a different dynamic. I'm the oldest out of like all my friends. So So I, I'm kind of their wild card and I've always been but I think that's kind of the role that I play in most of my friend groups anyways. I'm kinda of like the wild card. <laughs> I'm always doing things differently. I'm always <laughs> kinda of like out there, like with my like thoughts and ideas. So, you know, I'm always throwing a wrench and they're always looking at me like, what the fuck? They probably like it, though. <laughs> I think so. I guess maybe that's why they stick around. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm always the one that's, like, throwing in, like, yeah, but, you know, what about this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so we talk about all kinds of things. Like, women, we the, the conversations vary based mm-hmm. on, like, who you're hanging out with. Yeah. It's just you can never be that fly on the wall because as soon as you're pre- like a male presence there, it's going to change. There's just not – the only way it isn't is if there's enough like liquor involved. Yeah. I've, yeah I learned that, that Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting down at my kitchen table, we had a party here. And there was four women talking and I sat down and it instantly felt like that brunch vibe, the way that they were like, oh, Ben, tell us about it. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> No, you. It can happen. Definitely, liquor is a great way for it to happen, or just even being like super like close. Like my like my main friend group is like what is it? Three women and two guys. Like that's our like solid group, right? Mm -hmm. So those two guys are like flies on the wall in like women's conversations. Sometimes they're like, okay, muting group chat because what the (laughs) fuck? (laughs) Oh, like a text group chat? (laughs) Yeah, like what are you guys talking about? Like we might be in there like. Sending in like screenshots of like some like guides, like he's look at look at these abs, and they're like, why are we included in this? <laughs> Do women care about abs? Uh, some of us. <laughs> that was a great answer. You were like, I don't want to say yes, so I'm just gonna make a smiley face, look off to the side, <laughs> raise my voice a couple a couple of cents. We don't necessarily <laughs> care, but they are nice to look at. Why are they nice to look at? 
I don't know. Something about them just makes them nice to look at. I want to like, I want answers. I want to know why we like certain, because you can ask me the same thing about women. I want to know why we like certain things about people. Well, I think it's society is like has sexualized, I mean, has like socialized us to sexualize certain parts of mm-hmm. people's bodies. But does it feel inherent or does it feel like you learned it? Does it feel like truly? Well, I think at this point in life, it feels inherent because mm. it's been that way since we were young, right? Think yeah. about the standards of beauty. So like set when we were kids, right? And they haven't super changed much, right? right? right. So, you know, if this is what we're seeing on magazine covers and music videos and things mm-hmm. like that, like, well, this is obviously hot. And so your mind now has like taken that in. It's like, this is hot to me. I like this. Um, that's why I don't think... And I don't know, people, other people are different, but I don't think preferences are like a weird thing to have. Like, I think everybody's going to prefer something. I think you shouldn't get too caught up in your preferences. It's like because you miss out on good people that you obviously like really might like or might enjoy. Mm -hmm. And so I've always been like really like aware of that, like with dating, like, all right, I may prefer a certain height or a certain body type or a certain like hair type or something like that I might have this ingrained preference but if this person and I spark a good conversation I owe it to myself to see where this goes and if I'm attracted like I think my mom has always said that are you attracted to them yes or no stop thinking about what you prefer what Mm -hmm. you think attractiveness is what how do you feel yeah right you know what you get the tingle. If you get the tingle, <laughs> the tingle? you like them. <laughs> yeah. No, she, your mom's right. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. It, it's yeah. hard to unlearn that. But back to what we were saying about being, or what you were saying about it kind of being taught mm-hmm. in society. I agree with that. But then I start to question, but also on this like really deep core level, are we attracted to like healthy looking fit people for two reasons one it shows longevity and like fertility and they're like they're alive mm-hmm. and they're well and that shows promise for investment in the future with a family and the genes they pass off to the kid and then something adjacent to that also does it show that they have due diligence they have discipline to show they they can set a goal and accomplish it you know how hard it is to get abs it's mm-hmm. not easy trust me it's not easy. It takes so much. You have to eat well, sleep well, not consume certain drugs or too much alcohol, and exercise like a maniac. Yeah. And then number three, <laughs> you might look at a healthier person and think that they might be better at sex. I'm so glad you said that. I was just having this conversation <laughs> yesterday. While I was hiking in the forest with my friend, I was like, say what you will. I'm going to be really honest right here. Say what you will about the human body, but... There's something pretty miraculous and attractive when people are really fit because it shows like sex could be a lot nicer yeah. and better because of that. Mm-hmm. And that's attractive. Just that thought yeah. is like attractive. Like there's a lot yep. of layers to this. So that's why I think it's a little bit of everything. Yeah. It's, it's very natural to like want to be with someone that you know will pass on those good genes. Also, again, shows like true discipline as a person that they're willing to set aside all of those um, temptations mm-hmm. of, of the donut and the ice cream and the pizza, especially in Chicago. <laughs> and they use these excuses, well, it's cold out, I want to stay inside and eat. It's like someone who's still fit in the winter, now that's someone who's determined. And that says a lot. So we are definitely showed in the magazines and the movies and, yeah. and the Brad Pitts and all that. 
we all love Brad Pitt and <laughs> or Ryan Gosling, whatever you want, whoever mm-hmm. you want it to be. But there might it might be because we are before it was put on there. Maybe that stuff's put into society because we've always realized we've been attracted to those things. It, yeah, I don't know. I Maybe. think it's a little bit of all of it. It could. It, it probably is. It's kind of that's, that's the answer. It's <laughs> all of the things. It, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's an easy way out. <laughs> but it, it is funny, though. Like, so many women, like, I, I'm fine with the guy this way. And then as soon as you do the ab thing, they're like, well, the abs. It's got abs. I mean, <laughs> they're not bad. <laughs> but then, like, men don't really want abs on women. Yeah. Not traditionally. Not traditionally. the kind where you, like, literally see, like, a six-pack. Yeah. And I actually, I find that really attractive on women abs yeah well it, it should go both ways i find it attractive on both people yeah and it probably has to do with what you're talking about that dedication thing mm-hmm. is like and i think uh, maybe i find it even more attractive like tiana taylor is so attractive to me like i she's so gorgeous like and she's got abs like that, that mm-hmm. where you can see them she's got muscles like that where you can see them and it's like do you know how hard it is for us who just naturally have more body fat women just naturally do yeah. to get chiseled like that it's harder than men Bro, she's like, yeah. So like when I see that, I'm like, all right, you're really like you go hard. Mm-hmm. Like you have to because it's so it's harder. That's actually a great point. Maybe, possibly, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> it's why men might not be as attractive to the abs on women. Maybe because their own ego because it's like, well, how, she they, works out more than Yeah, <laughs> but it also could be the fertility thing. Like we know. That mm-hmm. women should have a higher body fat percentage. It's safer mm-hmm. for birth yep. and for bearing a baby. It's it's a safer safer reserve for uh, breastfeeding and having more fat. It's why your breasts grow when you're pregnant. Maybe that's why it's it's not because it's kind of like that's too much. Now they might not be safe for what they mm-hmm. are meant to be doing if they're giving a baby right. to the world. I don't know. There's so many <laughs> factors. There's so many things. <laughs> uh, I think that people. Just go be with who you're attracted to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. It's the, the the sex thing you brought up is a really big one that people will not talk about. Oh yeah, I think th- to me that's the biggest one. To me personally, huh. I think that's what it is. I think it's that's like probably the right answer. We just don't want to talk about. You, it. Yeah, it you really just don't want to admit sex, it. It's like as everything does. I mean, because people are not honest about what they're thinking about when you first see someone. You're not thinking about, oh, I wonder if that person is so nice. Like, oh, my God. Wait, I wonder voice, if they- who's this voice? Who are you mocking right now? Everybody. <laughs> I know who you're doing. I just want you to say it. The person who's getting mimosas in Lakeview. That's who you're mocking right now <laughs> on, at 11 a.m. on a Sunday. No, I just really want to get to know them. Like, no, you saw this man from across the bar at brunch, and you thought, ooh, nice abs. I think I would like having sex with him. <laughs> Thank you for finally telling men what— we should have been hurt here. It's this the whole time. truth. Of course, it's the truth. It's we do the like, same thing. If you're like a guy and you come up to me and you start chatting with me because you're interested, I know within about five seconds if I would like to have sex with you or not. <laughs> <laughs> it, I'm not sure if I'm going to. Yeah, yeah. I haven't made up my mind yeah. if I'm going to, but I know if I might like to. <laughs> you want to know the only difference between a man and a woman? <laughs> Is a man knows within the half second. Yep, exactly. That's the faster. only difference. It's the only difference. He knows and, a little bit sooner than you. And the only reasons why is you have to think, this can get a little graphic, you have to think, I. if you want to get really into what the whole point of sex is, it's like, I have to carry this person's baby. I need, it's just this simple, this is biology. 
they're going to be putting their, their DNA into me. I have to carry this. I have to deal with right. all the repercussions. I have mm-hmm. to take who I pick significantly more serious. Exactly. Whereas a man's just like, I'm expendable. I can do this all day, mm-hmm. anywhere I want, forever and ever, and leave with no repercussions. Yep. So because of that, it's like that much faster to think about it. Yeah. I don't have to worry and about anything you have to take a thought. You have to be like, all right, what kind of person are you? <laughs> It, it matters a little bit more because... Of course it what does. What kind of person are you? Well, I don't have to care. Not me. The man. typical man doesn't have to yeah. care because they don't even have to worry about your personality. I don't care what... You might be thinking, correct me if I'm wrong, why you just said, what kind of person are you? Because now I have to wonder, what kind of DNA and person child am I going to have? Who is this person? Because like, it, it could happen. Yes. It Whereas could always happen. I don't have to think about that yeah. as a man because it's like I'm out. Like I'm in and then I could leave and yep. whatever happens, And then it's happens. over, yeah. It's over. It's a very different perspective. Yeah. And that is, I think, the fundamental reason why the classic like men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Why don't we understand each other? Battle of the sexes. It's that right there. Mm-hmm. I think it comes down to that really deep core thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I've had this conversation with multiple people. I I love conversations <laughs> like these because I think they're important. I think they're, I love those conversations that make people feel awkward sometimes. Yeah. It's like, oh, that means you don't talk about this enough. Yes. Let's talk about it. <laughs> yes. Luckily, I, I talk about this uh, enough, but only with like two or three people. It's usually on those private hikes in the forest. Yeah. Where you can get away with, like, no one's going to care. No judges. one's going to know. Let's this. just talk about it. Exactly. It's helpful. But I don't have enough with women. It's mostly guys. I think men and women should have those conversations. And because I have a lot of guy friends, I have had the conversations with guys a little bit more than mm. uh, most other women. And I've actually even said to, like, my guy friends, it's like, it's what you were talking about. Like, when the sexes are separate, when they're, like, having their conversations just amongst themselves, they talk about different things. And so, like... I was explaining to, like, one of my guy friends, I'm just like, we don't know what you guys are talking about, just like you guys don't know what we're talking about. And so if those two conversations are never had amongst each other, we're just going to keep talking amongst ourselves and not talking to each other about these things. And so it's like, you can't expect some, like, you can't expect women to know what you guys are talking about over here, just like women can't expect men to know what Mm -hmm. we're talking about over here. Unless someone shares. <laughs> yeah. So we have to do this. Yeah. <laughs> Two random people who have, don't know each other. Probably the healthiest way to do it. Yeah. We have no biases. We have nothing to hold back. I think it's the best way to do it. And it's helpful. I, I learn a lot every time. Um, the the ab thing and the whole like five second thing. That's very <laughs> helpful because you always wonder like what? How do they know? What are they, what are they judging it on? Because you don't know someone's job or bank account mm-hmm. before you meet them. Yeah. It's, it's visual first. It's always visual, and so you can't eliminate that part of it. Yeah. Because you just can't. No. That, it's <laughs> I mean, the if you're meeting thing. people out in public, or I mean, even dating apps, it's still visual. It's, you're swiping on pictures. Yeah. It starts with pictures, and then it goes down to like parameters, and then maybe like a sentence or a prompt they have. Yep. Like, probably in that order 100% of the time. <laughs> like, the first thing you see is a photo. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with social media. Like, someone posts a photo. This is a subject I actually want to get into, into since you've done modeling and photography. When it comes to Instagram and women, this is where this gets complicated. Okay. <laughs> we all know what a good amount or a, a portion of women like to do with photos, their bodies, and Instagram. Mm-hmm. They like to show skin, which is fine. But it starts to mean something and portray something. They might be going for something creative or empowering, which is great. But... I start to wonder when that line gets blurred between that and just trying to get 
fame or likes yeah. or recognition. Definitely. And it starts to become disingenuous or it's an art form or empowerment or being free or modeling to like me, 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 love me, love me, give yeah. me likes, give me, give me uh, advertising, give me subscriptions, give me whatever. Mm-hmm. This is for that. And you could be like, well, I thought it was about the music, but really, or is it about your body and manipulating your body knowing that you'll probably get more likes and have you noticed when you post a photo that's not of you or relevant to you, the likes you get versus one maybe where you're showing yourself maybe a little bit more skin? Do you notice a difference? Oh, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I knew the answer, but <laughs> yeah, I wanted absolutely. listeners to hear you like, say it. You know, I definitely have those times where, like, like even just my – if you go to my Instagram right now, my most recent posts are just, like, some photography I've done. They get significantly less likes than when I'm posting pictures of myself. Like, when I'm posting myself – it's definitely, you know, and then you post in the stories and stuff like that. It's like, you know, when you've posted something that is appealing to men because they come they're out of nowhere into your DMs. I'm, I'm <laughs> so glad you finished that sentence because the way you said that, I was like, where's she going with this? They come because out of they nowhere. come out of nowhere. <laughs> into your DMs. In your d- they just yeah. slide right in your DMs. What do you mean by like they just start messaging you? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Immediately. Interesting. Hard eyes. You're so beautiful. Oh, oh my gosh. See, yeah. I was going to say, like, I've messaged women before, but it's usually like, hey, do you want to come on my podcast? <laughs> or, hey, like, I the, the most it ever gets is just, like, a professional, like, work. You want to collaborate on this? And it's not after they posted a photo of themselves either. Well, good. <laughs> so I've never been, like, I can't imagine, why would I just randomly send a flame or a heart or hard eyes to someone? When they posted a photo, like in a DM. Not like a comment on it, but like a DM. Sometimes they comment, sometimes they DM. But like if you post it on your, I mean, if you post it on like your feed, right, mm-hmm. then they might comment. Right. If you post it in your story, then they'll DM. I've yeah. even had people, though, like they'll send me the post that I've posted, like in my feed and like be like, this is so beautiful. Like hard eyes, fire emojis in the DMs mm-hmm. as opposed to like commenting on it. And it's just like. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what what is the response when you get those? Um, if I know the person, sometimes I respond. If I don't know them, I just keep it moving. Mm, it's tricky. Yeah. I I always get really in my head about that. Like, should I message this person out of nowhere asking them if they want to collaborate, if they want to come on the podcast, if they want to do a session, if anything like that. And I get so in my head about it. I'm like, I'm I do even, too. I'm not even doing anything wrong. This is just like how you navigate the world now you have to just reach out to people this way yep. it's just about the way you I word it I do it when I'm drunk oh well <laughs> see I, I don't do any of that when I'm drunk because like I will really make a mistake if I do <laughs> and if you do make a mistake you don't have much to fall back on because like oh I'm intoxicated that's probably not the best way to be doing this but it's different from men to women yeah I am like if a woman messaged me drunk I would think nothing of it if a guy does it to a woman it's probably very different that what is they're also saying true. is probably That's different true. too. Yeah. Because I, if I message you, I'm just getting the courage to be like, I really want to work with you. I think you're cool. Do you want to work together? Yeah. <laughs> That's me sliding in somebody's <laughs> It's just so less, <laughs> it's not invasive. It's not even scary or threatening. Like, I would never be scared, ever. Mm-hmm. And it, if a woman just was like, hey, I would like to collaborate or work with you, ever. But I'm sure, like, if a guy did it to you, you'd have to, like, second guess. Like, I got to research. Should I like look into this, who this person is, what yeah, they're doing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you reached out to me. Yeah. Yeah. Was it via email? I don't even remember. Yeah, you emailed me, okay. and it was just like, you know, I, and this is, I guess, you know, this goes back to what we were talking about, like, 
the differences like men and women and like interacting with each other and it's like i mean i brought him along because you know i didn't know you i'm scared right you're you <laughs> i mean i've watched your podcast i've watched some episodes you seem cool but you know <laughs> i don't know yeah. and as women we have to think about of stuff course. like that we have to like i don't blame you i knew yeah. right away by the way yeah when i saw him i was like <laughs> <laughs> i think this, this is the bodyguard this is staff. <laughs> this is staff. <laughs> I get it, and I respect it, and I, I, I don't take it personally. I don't blame you either. I, it, I see it often. Um, yeah, it's got to be scary. Mm-hmm. It's got to be. It's different. It's a different world. You, you don't just never know. know. You yeah, I, and you know the music industry is rough because it's a lot. Of, there's a lot of guys, and so when you're a girl, like when you're a woman, a producer, whatever, and you have to be in the studio, and it's mostly guys, it's like, yeah, you're on guard. Yeah, you're like looking around, making sure everything's cool and good to go. Yeah, that's hard. I I know a handful of women, some that have sat where you are, that are in the music industry and that they don't have many nice things to say about some some experiences being surrounded by all men. Mm-hmm. Producer, a manager, the artist, someone uh, booking shows, a lot of the time they are guys, and it can be pretty difficult. Not even like maybe no one's saying or doing anything wrong, but you still feel because of being used yeah, to it. You're you just on like, it. Yeah, you're a like, little bit. I don't, I don't know. Can I even say anything right now? Can I relax? Should I, I drink? Should I? Do- wait, wait, stay on that one. That is huge. The drinking mm-hmm. thing. Because mm-hmm. I'll, you know, anytime you go to the studio, especially with rappers, hey, here, you want to smoke? You want to drink? And it's like, I don't know. I have to get a lay of the land first. Mm-hmm. I have to make sure I feel comfortable first. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because. Anything that might inebriate me means I'm off my guard a little bit. So Especially bef- alcohol. Right. Before I do any of that, I need to make sure I'm comfortable here. I mean, to make sure I feel okay here. Yeah. That's so hard, the alcohol thing. The Just even if it's straight alcohol, there's, like, there's always the, the, the drugging, the roofie aspect mm-hmm. of it, which happens all the time still. Yeah. But if you take away that and it's just being a little intoxicated and people still... Because, you know, it gets when you get to that tipsy point, then another, like, drink, some, someone I can see, like, oh, she's kind of, like, a little drunk. I'll just buy her another drink. Mm-hmm. Then you get to that one, you finish that one, then you can just keep doing before you know the person's trashed. And you can yeah. start doing some, get away with some really big things, some problems. And But then when you get into the drugging part of it, yeah. I can't believe people do that. Yeah, and you mind. always, always have to think about it. Even yesterday, I was at the bar. Um, and I was the only girl. I was hanging out with some of my guy friends, and um, I had to go to the bathroom. And I was like, "I'm just gonna finish this real quick." <laughs> <laughs> See, I would never think of that. I would leave drinks I'm just out gonna, all day. Nope, and not I'm think just gonna. Of it. I'm just gonna chug it. And I'm gonna go to the bathroom. Yeah, that's so sad. That's like not a way people should have to live. Because I'm not thinking my friends will do anything, no. but I'm thinking they're not going to keep their eyes on it the way that. Would I you might ask them? them to. Would you ever be like, "Hey, so and so, just I'm gonna go to the bathroom and watch"? My yeah, drink. if it's like somebody I like super trust, like I'd be like, "I'm gonna leave my drink right here. Please keep an eye on it." You know. God, what a weird, creepy thing to do. Just go around like drugging people. That's dark. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, but people you know, do people it. Have gone through that. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't even know the mindset of why one would want to do that. Clearly, you're completely disturbed and unstable. You want yeah. to, like, have sex with a life. You want to take body. advantage. Yeah, it's like, weird. taking advantage of somebody in such a way. It's just... Power, this weird power dynamic you have yeah. over them. Yeah, it, and it, it goes from 
that to less creepy but still grief, creepy with people who have power in a music or film or, or art industry and they use that to an advantage. It's like flexing yep. like, oh, do you want to come hang out with me? I did this, this, and that. And instead yeah. of just being a person, being yeah. themselves. Or, you know, I can help you with this and have no intentions of like being helpful. Like it's hard. Like like I told you, I've reached out to – and I'm very thankful that like the guys in the music industry that I've reached out to to like get started and to ask for help from have never like been creepy, have never been weird, have never like tried to take advantage of me in any situation. And I know that's just like such a – you know, something so simple like that should be, you know, just common respect, common knowledge like – but I'm really thankful for that. Like, I'm just really thankful that the people that I've met, the people that have, I've, like, been around and experienced have been very cool. And, like, you know, so, like, because I know the stories that you talk about, like, you know, that women have had these negative experiences in the industry. So I'm just super thankful that I've been around, like, good people. <laughs> yeah. No, that's good. And it's good for other men to hear that. So they, they can know if they were kind of on the cusp of making a mistake or, or doing the wrong thing, they now know, like, oh, I have a better relationship with my craft and my art knowing how to not manipulate that based on the power dynamic. Yeah. Like if you are someone in charge hiring someone, you instantly have that dynamic of where they're trying to please you. They're trying to use their creativity and craft to like hone in and, and, and please you and be better for the job. So you already have a leg up and you should never take advantage yeah, of that. Yeah, exactly. Making people feel uncomfortable, like making them feel like they have to do certain things for you. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, those situations where like a male boss might have a female employee and like, you know, might not even be like super aggressive, but even to just be like, maybe say ask her on a date, right? You don't know that you may have made her feel like she now has to do that because you asked. Not, and, and it may not even be even super aggressive, right? It may he may not even think that he like crossed a line. Really, you know, he might even just be like, "Well, I asked, you said no, and that's that." Like she might feel obligated mm -hmm. just because he's in that power position over yeah. her. Like he might not like me, or he might not treat me the same as the other employees if I don't go do this thing. If I him. say no, I won't get the promotion. Right, exactly. I won't get the work. The right the word for that, I think, is trapped. Yeah feel trapped and I've heard that and it's extremely heartbreaking to hear that like I don't know if I actually wanted to do it I just you feel trapped like what else do I have and that's why I don't even approach that subject matter like I why even put someone in an uncomfortable situation keep mm -hmm. your your dating life completely separate from work exactly 100% of the time exactly I won't even touch it with a 10 foot pole like right it's just not right for them it's not it's fair just to not me. gonna cross the don't cross that line like <clears throat> in the workplace it's like just just don't no and then and you don't make anybody feel uncomfortable uncomfortable um obligated and the most important thing is like being an artist i i hold it sacred creativity and i would never want to jeopardize someone else's creativity for my own ego my own yeah. sexual drive when i could take you know human consciousness is pretty powerful i could take that and understand like i might be attracted to that person but i'm not I'm going to override that because I, I respect art too much. I don't want to step on someone's craft because I know what it is to create. So I'll just go that way. I'll yeah. just leave it be. And you get over it and it's fine. You don't have to just go with what you're feeling. What you're feeling is usually just a sexual thing. Yeah. Like we were talking earlier. It's mm -hmm. not real. So just like override <laughs> just it. an impulse. And move on. And then it gets really easy. Once you – that's a learned skill. And it becomes yeah. easier and easier the more you do it. Teenage boys don't know how to do it. But once you become an adult male, you know, you should – 
learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. And women can do the same. It's not the same. They don't. It, it really isn't. But men can learn how to do it. I hate when they're like, I'm just a man. I can't help it. It's like, you can. Many do it all the time. You just have yeah. to learn how to do it. I'm not yeah. saying. And be intentional. Yeah. Practice it. You, you have to try. Mm-hmm. Have the conversations. Talk to women. Learn about what they're going through so you have a better understanding of like how your actions are affecting people. Exactly. And that's hard. It could be a little embarrassing. You have to like let your guard down. You, you're not flexing anymore. You're not. Men are always trying to flex and, and imp- <laughs> impress. You, you always want to find that person. But if you can let it down, it takes a lot of patience. Yeah. That's not easy. Yeah. How you doing over there? <laughs> <laughs> time is it? Wow, we've been going for a while. Okay. What time is it? It's 2.15. Oh, shit. Or 1.15. What? Oh, I was going to say 2.15. <laughs> 1.15. Do you have time? Do you have anything you need to do? Um, I just got a little... <laughs> oh, sorry. I got an email. Um, no, I just got a little meeting to go to in a little bit. Okay. We'll, yeah. we'll wrap up soon, shortly. Um, anything you want to promote or talk about before we head out? Um, what do I got going on? <laughs> that went by really fast, by the way. It did. <clears throat> I didn't realize it had been so long. <laughs> I did not. Yeah, that was one of the fastest two hours ever. About what? You could talk. My song, oh. <laughs> I dropped a song yesterday. It's oh, just wow. an instrumental. It's called Lost. It's on all the streaming stuff. Um, you can find me, King Chloe. That's what you perform under? King yeah, Chloe. that's my producer name, King Chloe. That's cool. So Lost is out now on all the streaming services. Go run up my streams. <laughs> <laughs> so Lost, anything else you want to promote? Um... <laughs> What else am I promoting? <laughs> the industry. The industry. Yes, the industry Chicago. So um, the industry Chicago is a group uh, founded by Isra Shatad. Uh, we are putting on an open mic series. We had the first one in October on the 9th at Winwood Kitchen in Wicker Park. The next one's going to be December 4th at the same place, Winwood Kitchen. Um we're going to promote it all over Instagram, so you can follow at The Industry Shy. You can also follow at Art Lab Shy. All of the promotions and the way to like enter to do the open mic are going to be on those two pages. What does the open mic entail? Any type of performance? So right now, it's um, music. Uh, so the first couple of them are going to be music. We are eventually going to do a stand-up open mic, but um, we're going to have some really cool people like in the audience. And so um, the first one, the RSVP sold out in like hours. So <laughs> um, it's... We're we're trying to really get it off the ground, like make it a big series where mm-hmm. we're giving away prizes, and the prizes are going to be kind of cool. Um, so like you know different packages with different producers and engineers and working like there's going to be some studio packages that are given away and just like really cool stuff like that the opportunity to perform at a music festival was given away i'd like like to be a part of that oh yeah Uh, i can offer some stuff too oh that would be dope yes oh yeah so um we'll talk about yeah let's talk i'll get you in touch with uh lala because she's the person that like runs the whole thing so she's super dope 
She's my manager. See, this is why I need I have a, a song. I'm doing this thing. Oh, wait, she's my manager. I had no idea these things were She happening. would have been here today if she didn't have to work. She would be doing the exact same thing, yelling oh, at me okay. from the corner, telling me to say things. This is why I have an artist manager, because I do creative things, and then they tell me how to do the business thing. <laughs> the business side of it takes a lot to learn. Yeah. I'm still learning it. It's not easy. So that's what, but that's ultimately what made me want to hire a manager, because... <laughs> Oh, yeah, I did this thing. It just came out. I forgot about it. Yeah, exactly. She's telling me she's, like, promoting all my stuff for me. And, um, you know, she, like, books me gigs and stuff like that. So it's nice. It's nice to have somebody that's, like, really businessy so yeah. I can be creative. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to that. Unfortunately, December 4th, I won't be in town. But the next one. I but the next go one to. we're going to probably do at the top of the year, either uh, <clears throat> late January or early February. So, okay. I mean, we're going to keep going. We want to we want to get to a point where we can do it every month. But right now it's uh, every other month. Okay. Yeah. I'll, look, I'll keep my eye out for that. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> the way that I participate, um, I DJ the events, um, That's cool. yeah, I also, you'll see me running around taking photos and shooting video and stuff like that, so I kind of am like a jack of all trades. All the stuff that, you know, we've been talking about today mm-hmm. that I do, I do for this, um, project that we're working on, this mic, this open mic series. And what is the name of, name of it again? The Industry Chicago. Got it. hmm And your clothing line? Infinitely wavy. Infinitely wavy. Infinitely wavy. Infinitely wavy. Forever wavy. And all these things can be found on social media? Yep. You can find um, Infinitely Wavy. Uh, there's a brand page on Instagram and also Twitter at Infinitely Wavy. Um, you can find me at Clo- uh, Creative Chloe Chanel on Instagram, and I have links to everything from there, too. So if you just want to hit me up, follow me, you'll be able to see all of my clothing. You'll be able to get to my portfolio site. You'll be able to hear my music from there. So everything's centrally located at Creative Chloe Chanel. I love it. Yeah. Chloe, thank you so much for coming here. Thank you for inviting me. This was actually really cool. I was super nervous driving over Really? Here. Yeah. <laughs> I had to bring my bodyguard. <laughs> I was nervous. I don't know why I'm doing this. This actually turned out to be okay. I'm like, am I even really an artist? Why does he even want to talk to me? Who am I? <laughs> I wasn't nervous. I was sitting around waiting. I was like, where is this person? <laughs> Sorry, Not, I was no. a little late, guys. I don't, I don't get nervous anymore. Being on this side of it, yeah, you do it so much, you know. Um, but yeah, it was a pleasure to meet you. You're very talented, very creative. Keep doing it. Thank you. I so support much. it. I can't wait to look into more of what you're doing in that that open mic thing. Seems oh great. hell yeah, we've got some other things to discuss for sure. Awesome. Yeah, let's keep in touch about it <laughs> for sure. All right, take well, care. Thank you. Thank you. You too. All right, bye.